are listening to the Heavy Metal Hangover, where the beer is always cold and the music is always heavy. With your hosts wearing jeans and leather, not Cracker Jack clothes, Rex and Duff. Welcome to another episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover. My name is Duff. My name is Rex, last time I checked. Well, oh, I already mixed my cocktail. I'm oh. So I'm oh, so real quick. I'm healthy again. Um, I I was not feeling well last week. Um, we, you know, Friday I texted Duff and I was like, "Hey man, can we record tomorrow? I'm just really worn out. Like I can't. Like my nose is all stuffed up and everything. And I was like, I can't even really talk that well. And then the next night I was like, "Dude, we can do the show if you want, but there is a 50-50 chance I will fall asleep halfway through because I just am that wiped out and like just drained." So, I don't know what was wrong with me. I think maybe it was a cold, maybe it was something worse, but I literally like just if, if I I was like literally falling asleep, basically standing up and stuff. So, um sorry we didn't get a show out last week. Uh it was kind of my fault, but kind of not because I was kind of sick. So, uh <clears throat> Well, you messaged um, me. You know. He's like, "Do you want to do the? Do you want to do the show tonight?" I was already half in the bag, so I was like, "Whatever, man, <laughs> it's cool." <laughs> so I was like, cool "I was like, there way. literally is a fifty percent chance that like you're gonna hear." What do you think about that, Rex? And you're gonna hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, "Why don't we just call it this week?" And you know, instead of instead of releasing something worse than the pile of rubbish that we normally release, <laughs> we'll 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 give you a a halfway decent pile of rubbish. <laughs> Well, yeah, you, you, you gotta do something, man. I don't, I don't know, I don't know, man. I, I was, I, I was half dead last week too. I, uh, I don't know, but man, I, I needed a, damn, I needed a break. And um, this, this week, well, it, it would have been, you know, of course, this is one of those, um, <laughs> this is one of those space. It's always a spaceballs moment in the show because you know we record a few days before it airs. So I'm talking about the future, but for you, it's the past. Uh, ta- we're is, talking about now now. When was when then? then? Go back to now. then. We can't <laughs> soon. Um when will then be now? But I, I'm gonna need this weekend to relax because of the last two days I was supposed to be relaxing, but you know, I ate myself into a stupor because it's Thanksgiving. Um Oh, I've taken like six naps over the past oh, man. day and a half. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> oh, seriously. Man, I, I I, I I told Rex, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll message you. It was like 9 o'clock. I was like, man, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> um, I, was, I well, was actually just waking up from one when you messaged me that. The thing is, I mean, I, I admittedly don't sleep well. Like, I have sleep apnea. I know I do. So I, I don't sleep well. And so like a 45-minute nap, like, I didn't have to – I don't have to set an alarm. Like, I'm not going to – I'm not going to sleep an hour because I can't ever sleep more than an hour. Um, but I can do that. It's like, I, I can take a good 45 minute power nap, but when it comes to sleeping, it's not something I normally do very well. Um, unless it's with your mom. No. Um, so I don't. And when we record the show, like normally if I get that 45 minute hour power nap before we record it, I'm, I'm fine because you know, it, we, it's late when we record here. I mean, we're up, we're up half the night and, uh, it's just, it's just what happens. It's the way we record the show, but it's fine. It's, it's worked for us for close to six years now or whatever um so yeah fine cool but oh man and then today today they were recording it as black friday which is a dude it's a joke man literally i saw today well first of all 
Black Friday sales have been going on all month. Why don't they just call it holiday sale? It's not really a Black Friday sale if it's been a, if it's been on sale all month. Well, and the then, problem the problem is before it used to be and and. and I mean, you know as well as I do what the problem is. It used to be you had to actually show up to the store. Therefore, it was Black Friday. Now it's like, oh, well, why don't you just order it on like, you know, the previous, like two Tuesdays before the Friday. You know, I don't know. Like, I I think it's just funny. Like I was I was walking through Walmart like two weeks ago and they're like Black Friday sale above something. I'm like, okay. It's not a Black Friday sale if it's not on Black Friday. But here's what really, really, really annoyed me today. I actually saw on Black Friday early Cyber Monday sale. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) All month it's been Black Friday. So on Black Friday, it's an early Cyber Monday sale. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I I hate, I just, seriously, um, I just hate people. But I, I, I do. But Black Friday was my, it's been my favorite holiday forever. And it's officially just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, yes, yes, there are sales, but most of them have been going on. And even the stores that have Black Friday sales, it's usually starts Thursday and ends Sunday. So it's a few days. I just, I miss getting up at three o'clock in the morning to go to Walmart and watch someone get trampled to death. Like, I just... (laughs) And watch somebody get punched in the face for a DVD player that costs five dollars less than it normally does. Dude, I I worked, <laughs> I worked at a Walmart and saw a fight break break out over a Game Boy Advance at the time, and it was two women. It was hilarious. I worked at a Best Buy. I never saw fights, but I I oh. saw impassioned people. Man, I saw. I want my thirteen, or I want my thirty-five dollar DVD player. Or you know, I'm like, okay, man. I just. Man, I just remember people literally can't like. I don't. I don't mean like like the way your the way your friends who are nineteen use the word literally. Like you know, I literally died. Okay, um, I mean literally when people used to camp out for like three days to get a TV, they'd be living in a tent and crapping in a bag just so they could save a hundred bucks on a TV. Like I would. Awesome. I would spend a hundred bucks to not have to do that. I mean, I'd pay. I, I mean, like, I'd pay you a hundred bucks just so I could, just so you'll do it, and I can drive up every once in a while and laugh at you, you know. And we were from Erie, Pennsylvania. Like, people were freezing their nuts off. Um, it's trying to say, like, God, you people. Oh man, of course, you know, I was like ten years old when I think I realized. I'm like, man. You know, if they went to work today, they could probably make the money that they would save on. Ah, yeah, no, never mind. Just, ah, just camp out. <sighs> Man, I, I, I did the, but I don't know. I always liked Black Friday. I mean, I'm a, um, <laughs> I, you know, you know me. I'm, I'm an unapologetic consumerist. I guess. <laughs> no, I do. I just, I, I love, um, I, I love shopping and I love chaos and I love people getting, you know, beaten. But I'll tell you what I didn't do though. Was <laughs> I, I love I, people I, getting. <laughs> beaten well i don't i don't mean you know (laughs) i don't mean you know i i probably do mean that too um yeah but i'll tell you what i didn't do this year was i didn't go to syracuse and so in in syracuse there's a big mall but i don't know i haven't looked it up yet i i'm gonna i'm gonna google syracuse news just because i'm wondering if anybody got shot or stabbed this year 
Hmm. Well, I don't see one yet, but there's still time. <laughs> a couple, like two or three years ago, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the mall in Syracuse for Black Friday. And a whole bunch of people are like, dude, don't do that. And I'm like, like, oh my God, I would never do that. I'm like, why, dude? It's no big deal. Then I get home to find out someone was at, was literally, like someone was actually stabbed that day. <laughs> like a Macy's. <laughs> Who stabbed somebody at a Macy's? Dude, there's like a stab. I've called it a stabbing mall before. It's like there's a stabbing there every six well, months. I, I'm surprised you would go there. Now I could see you going to the Captain Stabbing Mall, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, the thing about there is, if someone's getting stabbed, it's over. You know, it's because a fight br- might, might break out over a you know set of Benoit balls or something. <laughs> but like Benoit balls, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like like that could get pretty crazy. That's such a random direction to go. <laughs> <laughs> ben Wobble. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> Such, oh, well. Um, you know, at some point in the episode, we will talk about heavy metal. Um, I doubt it. So, <laughs> but anyways, so, yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I, long, you know, uh, to close this out. Hey, Ben Wobble balls are metal. I mean, come on. What, <laughs> what more can you ask <laughs> Um, You know, I got to be honest, like, I, uh, I I I didn't buy much this this weekend. Um, you know, there, there were actually a lot of halfway decent sales. Like Hell's Headbangers had a sale. Um, uh, you know, Puck Hockey, who does a lot of heavy metal like hockey jerseys, they had a sale. Um, I still might buy something from them. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of good sales going around. I did score something though. So this is Record Store Day, um, by the way, in the United States. Oh, I didn't um, even it's realize. Record Store Day. Yeah, it, it is, and I didn't remember. Um, so couple Did things. I actually today that I even would have cared about. This is actually a music conversation. Yeah, though that's I was decided to actually kind of you know bring bring it back in. I didn't say you were allowed to talk about it on this show. <laughs> I mean, we don't talk about metal on the show. Um, we don't talk about metal. We don't. Yeah, so we don't talk about metal. We don't talk. First rule of this show is we don't talk about metal. Um, no. So what I did. Was um, I ordered the uh, so long story short, effectively the night you know the day after um, record store day you can order them online. I I there's there's no local record store near me. Um, there's there's two there's two that are like driving distance. One is like one of those places that's totally like a oh you like the Beatles this place is for you. Oh, you like Metallica? Well, we might have something in the back somewhere. You know, like something like one of those places. The other one is just really, really far away. Like, it's like an hour drive. It's a great record store. I go there all the time. Or I don't go there all the time, but I do make it out there occasionally. It's a great record store. Um, but I don't, um, I don't, you know, make it out there, you know, very often. So anyways, what I did manage to snag is I, I told you that, I, you know, I, I online there, you're allowed to sell the day after. Um, so what I scored and the only one, the, the one big thing I actually cared about was the judgment night soundtrack. I don't know if you know what, the, if you know what that is. I don't think I do. So judgment night was a movie that came out a while back and I don't know much about the, I don't know much about the, um, the movie itself. I, I know that it was actually kind of a bomb. Um, I think it was supposed to be this huge, like, 
this huge uh, uh, you know movie or whatever, and it, it didn't do anything, and it kind of bombed. But the soundtrack was actually very interesting because what they did was they took a hip hop artist and teamed them up with a rock or alternative band. So the reason I kind of bought this was because Slayer and Ice T did a song called Disorder. It's right. basically a melody of of three exploited songs, which I love the exploited. But dude, Slayer and Ice T, I love both of them. I mean, I don't listen to Ice T's rap stuff. Nothing but respect for him in that field because you know he he's known to be an excellent rapper. I do like love Body Count though, and I think he's he's one of those guys that's awesome because he can kind of he, he you can tell he genuinely he's not one of those guys who's like oh I just decided this morning I'm going to do heavy metal. Like his buddy Ernie C, who's in Body Count with him, like loved heavy metal growing up, and uh, you know he would ex- he would expose him to that kind of stuff, and he loved it. So you know, cool cool for him. Plus he's uh, Finn Tutuola on uh, Special Victims Unit Law and Order. Um, so that's kind of the main reason why I bought it. But it's got some interesting like things going on. It's got Living Color with Run DMC. It's got Faith No More with and this these guys I'm not familiar with Booyah Tribe. Um, it's got Pearl Jam with Cypress Hill. It's got Sonic Youth with Cypress Hill. It's got Mud, Mud Honey with Sir Mix-a-Lot. It's got uh, Therapy with somebody named Fatal. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I, I bought it strictly for the Slayer and Ice T because I'm kind of a completist and I have like, I have, I think everything else Slayer is released. So this would be the only song I was missing till this point. Um, I mean, I'm a completist if you if you consider the fact that I always make sure that I finish. Not so concerned about. It. <laughs> oh, oh, you never mind. Cause I'm um, finished. T- t- <laughs> um, but anyways, I'm, I'm excited to actually did you get listen. The, did you get the um, the uh, the the too young to fall in love EP? I did not because I just don't care. Um, it is that actually is my favorite Motley Crue song? But Why uh, I asked. Well, but it's basically just like the the song, and like I think it's like even like a different mix. And I'm just like for thirty, yeah, I I, like for like what they were like twenty five thirty bucks for it. I'm like I'm not going to spend twenty five dollars to listen to a song I already have. You know what I mean? So right, right, right. But the other thing I did buy was I bought the the only Plasmatics album I was missing, which is the Maggots LP. Uh, right. Wendy O. Williams and Plasmatics, uh, the Maggots LP. So I'm excited to get that because that one was I was I, that's the only Plasmatics album I was missing. I have all the rest. So, um, so yeah, I, I I scored. So I'm I'm happy to be getting those in the mail. And I'm happy. I, I did, by the way, order them because you can record store days. You can only get. I did order them from my favorite uh, punk store in Lancaster, Angry Young and Poor. Um, I think once they closed, they were allowed to list them online, or maybe it was after. I don't know. Remember if it was after midnight or something. I ordered them. Whatever. I wasn't really paying attention at the time. But either the way, the thing I would have bought is the uh, Eric Carr Rockology. But yeah, I thought I, about that, but it's I a picture disc. Have. If, it was, if I would have bought anything, it would have been that, but I probably wouldn't have bought it. See, I would have got that just because it's cool, but if it wasn't a picture disc. Like, I don't know. I, I, I generally don't like listening to picture discs. If it's the only way to get something, I'll consider it. But truthfully and honestly, I, I just wish they would have released that as a normal like vinyl. I, would, I probably would have bought it other, uh, if they did. Well, um, I mean, he died on November 24th. So it's... It kind of cool that that record store day was um, the day that that was released. I mean, that's kind of cool, right? Um, that it's November twenty fourth, and that's the same day he died. Um, but if that being the case, they should have released something by Queen. Um, if you don't know, Eric Carr and Freddie Mercury died on the same day, same year. Um, they just they did. They died on the same time. 
Uh, well, I don't know about the same time, but on the same day. Uh, so I guess it was kind of cool that the anniversary of his death is the, the day that it came out. I don't know. I mean, if I was in a store um, today, had I gone to Syracuse today and avoided the stabbing, and I would have gone to the record store there. There's a, there's a really cool record store in Syracuse. Um, and uh, I would have I would have gone there, and I, I would have seen it, and I would have picked it up. Guaranteeing you I would have bought it. Otherwise, eh. I might I go. I might go. Sometimes, if things don't sell, they end up on discount like a week or two later. Um, I might go to the record store and, you know, maybe in a couple weeks and check it out and see what's left. I mean, I was surprised I got the the two that I did. Um, so I'm happy. Hopefully, I don't get an email tomorrow saying, "Whoops, we made a mistake." Um, but hey, you know what? If I if I score those two albums, I'll be a happy boy. This was actually, I think, the second or third. This is like the second. Um, record store day i actually got the stuff i wanted um and again you know it's i i know the whole point is to let me put it this way i know the whole point is to go into record stores and you know buy extra stuff and you know support the local stores and things like that but like i said um the one record store is really far away from me i couldn't get there today um the other record store is totally like i said a, a classic rock beatles type place it's great if you're looking for led zeppelin it's great if you're looking for an old bad company album it's great if you're looking for toto nothing wrong with any of those bands at all especially toto you should always be looking for Toto. especially hold the line um <laughs> dude but- i'm telling you i have that conversation with people all the time i'm like you will never ever hear me say a bad word ever about the song Africa, except for the fact that it's not as good as Hold the Line. No, it's not. It's. I mean, it's. I don't it's understand. I don't understand why that's even a discussion. I mean, it's, it, well, because people. Oh, it's the greatest song you ever wrote. No, it's not. No, it's really not. Like, dude, Hold the Line blows that thing out of the water. And it's nothing against Africa. No, it, it doesn't mean Africa's bad. No, I like the song. I really like it. As long as it's not Dude, Weezer doing it. I, t- I but like I, the song. I messaged, you, I messaged you, and I was like, this song, if you still played drums, this would be the song you'd need to cover. Because it's one of those songs that you can't... Hold the Line is one of those songs you can't just sit back and go like... Bah, bah, psh, bah, 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 psh. No, you got to be like... Do, 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 do. like you got to like really let those drums have it. you got to go off on those drums like... Um, well, which is awesome because you know it's one of those things that's a lost art that drummers today and their tapping don't realize is you take a guy like Jeff Percaro who was, who was Toto's drummer, nerdiest looking dude in the entire world, literally died of pesticides from his lawn, um, literally, kids, but the guy, you know, he doesn't hit hard at all, like at all, but if you watch him play, you're like, oh... That guy does when he hits a snare drum. He when he's not playing ghost notes and stuff. Like he hits that he hits that um, that rim shot like every time, perfectly right where it needs to be. So he doesn't actually have to hit hard to make his drum sound like he. You know, it sounds like he's hitting really hard. Because of the way he's playing, it, it sounds like he's going off on that snare drum like Phil Campbell goes off on a cigarette, man. If you watch, if you watch the guy play, he's hitting a rim shot, and he's hitting it. It's just the guy's such a flawless drummer was, but the way he hits it's like, yeah, dude, Jeff Barcaro rules. Like, say what you want about how about the song Rosanna. I don't like it either. Yeah, except like the it. drums are awesome. 
See, I don't know. Like, I trying to understand what that guy played is just crazy. We always talk about addictive albums. That's an addictive song. Whenever "Hold the Line" comes on, that's one of those songs. You you ever know those? You ever like have one of those songs where you're like, this song is I don't know. Hold the line's like three minutes plus long or something like that, right? And you just think to yourself, of all the ten minute songs in the world, why was this not one of them? Like, you ever have you know, those songs where after three minutes you're like, it's just, and it's not enough. I I gotta go again. Like you. Know, <laughs> You got to take multiple shots on goal on that song. <laughs> got to pay extra for that. Um, all right. Well, here we go. Okay. Okay. Here's a versus for you. Here, here's a we're we're gonna jump in and do a <laughs> a tough choices right here. All right. This is a and and you know what I I, I mean, you'll probably have an easy answer to this, but I actually think that this might want to be be one of the greatest head to head matchups of all time. All right. Here's the question. Hold the line or lay it on the line. <laughs> hold the line. That's a hard one. Hold the line. I mean, you got lay, uh, hold the li- you got hold the line by Toto and lay it on the line by Triumph. I mean, I got to go Triumph because I'm just an obnoxiously big Triumph fan. But I, I mean, I like lay it, lay it on the line. I mean, seriously, those two. Honestly, though, those two songs are amazing. I don't. I know. Like, you're probably not going to call Triumph metal, even though they were a. They were a a, a a Canadian power trio hard rock band, you know, who played at the U.S. Festival when Quiet Riot made their made their big when they got on the scene, and you know, I think Motley Crue played there. Like everybody played that festival, um, and Toto is clearly not metal, um, but it's a rocking song anyway. You look at it. I mean, I know your answer is easy, but come on. I mean, that is legitimately a good. A good oh, toss up. I'm, Between dude, two like, amazing. Lay it on the line. Like I put lay it on the line in the same category as I put hold the line. When lay it on the line's over, you got to go again. Like, like hold the line is is three minutes and fifty six seconds at least on the version that I have. And, and when it's over, I'm like, if this starts over again, I'm not going to complain. Like it's one of those songs where literally I've gone to the store. Like, and I'm talking like you know down the road, not like I've driven three hours, and I've had it on loop. Just because like, that that opening do, 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 Wait, do, did you did you say did you say hold the line was three fifty seven? Uh, hold the line was like three fifty six on my iTunes. Yeah, yeah, lay it on the line is like four oh five. So we're talking they're only they're like maybe ten seconds apart in length. Dude. And I mean, how much of that is like you know outro and intro? You know, like sound. Yeah. You know, like no, like whatever. And, and I mean, dude, fade out, the, fade in. The musicianship on both is incredible. Like, they're they're incredible. I mean, clearly Toto. You know, uh, uh, you you've got well. Um, Toto's bass player plays his bass up by his neck, so you know he's good. Well, yeah, he's. I mean, if you have a bass player that plays his bass up by his neck, you know he's good. I mean, because you you don't want you don't you can't look that stupid unless you're unless you're an awesome bass player. <laughs> like, well, like first of all, you've got you know in Toto, you've got Steve Lukather, who the guy I, I he's insane. If you ever want to look up, like look up his discography, on his own website, his his discography is listed by year. Because I, the guy couldn't, the guy probably couldn't list every right. I guarantee you, if you asked him, like how many of his own al- how many albums that he played on, could he think of off the top of his head? He probably couldn't scratch the surface. He was a session guitar player. Everybody in, t- in total was. He was a session guitar player. Someone would hire him and be like, "Hey, could you come in real quick and just." Play, like Michael Jackson, you know, he'd get a call and like, "Hey, Michael Jackson's recording. Could you come in and just play something?" Like, okay. Um, 
And but then then um then you look at the band Triumph, right? And you've got Rick Emmett, who dude, Rick Emmett is a killer guitar player. Incredible singer. Man, I never thought about this. Like e- either way, whichever one you pick, I mean, I know like I'll I'll go lay it on the line, you'll go hold the line, but dude, that is a damn t- You know, I'll this be honest not, with this you. This was and, not and, thought of before and, we started and, talking about this. And I'll be honest with you. I will say that that could change. Like, if you ask me tomorrow, I could very well have a different answer for you. Um, so I'm I'm not necessarily saying that like that's a permanent answer for me. I dude, think- dude, did you know that the dr- like the drummer from Toto is wearing Jeff a Ricard? blouse? Oh yeah, <laughs> he's wearing a blouse in the Africa video. His brother's the bass player. I can't think of his name. Picaro, uh, Joe Picaro. It's Joe Picaro. Well, yeah, I know. I said Jeff Picaro is the the drummer. His brother, was, I I couldn't remember. Um, the bass player's name. Um, I knew it was Picaro, but I couldn't think of what his name was. Um, Dude, seriously, the guy plays his bass up by his neck. That's how you know he's good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I like the- um. <laughs> God, I was just I was just gonna say like, <laughs> I'm watching the video and the guy's like bass neck is level with his shoulder. <laughs> like it's amazing. So cool. Um, so no, and, cool. but that's that's what's funny is you know I always laugh at a guy like Robert Trujillo. Not I mean he's an amazing, he's an excellent bass player. I'm not trashing him. What I'm saying is Robert Trujillo plays his bass like on his ankle, and then you have every other like skilled bass player in the world. Like how high can I make this thing? <laughs> what's that? Uh, I got to think. Hold on. Um, what's that one dude? Uh. Uh, Derek Boyer. Ever watch him play bass? No. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'll show you. Expl- I, I'm, I'm trying to even like um, the way he plays bass. Here you go. Um, and I their drummer him. is totally playing, wearing a blouse. Uh, Jeff Vaccaro, because he's awesome. Because he's wearing, he's totally, and it's funny because it reminds me of that Chappelle, sh- Chappelle skit. Um, Hang on. I'll send you that. Like, like th- this is what I'm talking about, man. Like, like, check this out, man. Tell, tell me, like, th- you, you wouldn't see this guy playing bass, and you wouldn't be like, "Wow, he's he's good." Like, you just assume he was good. Let's see here. There we go. <laughs> like, you just assume he was good. Oh yeah. Well, look at. <laughs> it's like literally, literally, the like pickup to his bass is above his nipple. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, I couldn't even imagine like putting that on. Anyways, um, um I don't know. It's you know, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, when you see like different like musicians and players and stuff. Um, how? What's this you sent me? Oh, suffocation. What about no, the way that guy plays bass? Oh, he plays it like a stand-up. Yeah, yeah, he plays it like Fieldy, except for he can actually play it. <laughs> <laughs> Fieldy oh, plays yeah. his bass oh, like yeah. a stand-up too, uh, except he can't play it. <laughs> Derek, Derek is awesome. Like, dude, um, like, everybody talks about how amazing Fieldy, a bass player, Fieldy is. Like, my biggest thing about Fieldy from Corn is not that he can't like hit the notes or play fast or whatever. It's that all of his he has like whether it's on purpose or not, it still sounds like crap when it's like click, 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 because all you hear is the clicks. You don't even hear the notes he's playing. You just hear click, 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 click. 
because he's I don't know. He, I, if that's his style, I get it, but I I don't know if the guy is absolutely terrible or not. He's he's, he's easily, either terrible or brilliant. He but regardless, okay, I I will not question whether the guy is good or bad. I will tear. I will flat out say. It's the worst sounding bass player ever. I agree. I am not sure anybody could actually purposely sound as bad as Fieldy. I agree. I, 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 people like, man, I get that. And I, I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not talking crap. If you're, if you're into corn, you're probably not listening to the show, but, um, I like their first couple oh, albums. I I just it's like um here by the way don't this is this is um not with Frank so don't listen to it but s- scroll through that video I just sent you just watching Derek play it's 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 um as he as the song gets going let me see if I can find you a good spot um just like watching Derek and he's in suffocation play bass is just awesome um just it's it's a really unorthodox weird way of playing it where he will literally like play it like a stand-up bass, where like he'll set the bot, he'll set uh, the body of the bass like on the floor. It's 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 cool. Um, yeah, I see him. Uh, just I mean, just an awesome, just an awesome. I mean, let's let's face it. Nobody is as good as Alex Webster, but <laughs> well, no, no, of course. I mean, well, Alex. No, Webster, no, no. I just mean he's he's cool to watch and, because of the way he plays. And um, the funniest thing about Alex Webster is you'd be like, dude, you're amazing. No, nah, no. No, like, here's my thing about corn, though. I mean, and I've always said this. Like, I'm not really even, I'm not making fun of him. I just think Fieldy's bass player, Fieldy's bass sounds terrible. And I mean this in every sense of the word. I just can't stand scat. Um, <laughs> just not into it. And uh, I'm not either, man. It's just kind of gross. By that, I mean, I mean that, but I also mean... <laughs> His Jonathan Davis's his, his like yeah not it's I think it's like um the song Freak on a Leash which I can't stand but then that that whole middle section where it's just like I assumed you would bring up Twist yeah not whatever no but I mean the middle part is like Freak on the Leash is a legitimately good song yeah actually let me throw this out though Freak on a Leash I actually kind of like that song and I like actually more like the riff than anything. What what here's here's what I was gonna say. It's not a bad song. It's the bass tone in it that makes me want to vomit. And then that middle section with the stupid scatting just ruins it. But I will say this. I I, I will I will give Korn some some major credit here. Real honestly though, when you think about it, they are one of the heaviest bands to ever really really break into mainstream. I mean, Corn is blatantly mainstream. They're they're they've been played heavily on regular rock radio for twenty five well, years. Admittedly, though, there's two things to factor into that. The first thing to factor into that is they came. Well, I'm I'm not going to say they came out because they helped kind of trailblaze it, but they they came around when people were get were ready for new metal. Um, the second thing is. That's when everybody's guitars were tuned down to A and B. So, like, you know, you're playing seven strings or you had your six string tuned down to B. And, you know, guys in death metal have been doing that for years. But it just, people finally realized, oh, 
You mean all I have to do is go da 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 and it sounds heavy if I tune down to B? Oh, well, I'll just do that. The one thing I was going to say is, though, like, I mean, they weren't just... I mean, you had a lot of new metal bands that were big in the 90s. You would hear them if you were watching, like, SmackDown or Monday Night Raw. You know, you would hear a band like Coal Chamber or Mudvayne, you know, a band like that you would hear on there. Korn broke into, like, blatant mainstream. You know, their they're, they're, they're Woodstock, Woodstock 99 was huge for them. Do you, you know what makes me laugh? They were the band that should they should have never been allowed to play that show. Do you know what makes it, me laugh? You brought up Mudvayne. I, I saw a Everything. video recently and I can't remember what it was, but it was a YouTube video, and somebody was like, When did we all suddenly decide that Mudvayne was cool? <laughs> they were like, if you listen to Mudvayne when they first came out, you would be laughed out of the room. Now for some reason, if you listen to Mudvayne, you're like cool. Dude, like, just re- when did this happen? It reminds me of that. It reminds me of that ingenious meme, like like one of the. No, it wasn't a meme. Excuse me. It was an article from Babylon Bee Onion. One of the one of those. It doesn't matter. One of those fake, you know, satire news shows. Um, that that one. And I hold on. I got I got to look this up. I I need to quote it specifically. Hold on. Um, but you know, I mean, if you ever look at I, real quick, I'll continue yeah. with what I was saying. Was while you're doing that. If you ever looked at Mudvayne, like, they literally painted their faces like clowns. Like, it wasn't like they did Slipknot where they tried to be scary and you just won't, you know, you just don't get me mom type of masks and stuff like that. They were, like, blue and silver and red and, like, they were they were kind of like ridiculous. Was, had a silver face and spiky hair. And he a had, and one guy had, like, his hair, I think the bass player had his hair done like devil horns. Like, his whole head was shaved except for, like, two spots that he, like, you know, made into devil horns. And like I don't know, look if you like Mudvayne, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Like yeah, we're 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 making fun of them a little bit. Trust me when I say it's all in good fun. I I don't have enough of an opinion about Mudvayne to sit here and like actually trash them. Besides, from what I hear, their bass player is is supposed to be insanely good. Like I guess the, they're they're the band themselves are all good. Yeah, I, they're all supposed to be insane good musicians, but I'm sorry, their look, especially the singer, where he had like this blue smile and he had like these like silver his whole head was painted silver like look it, i'm not i i can sit here and say it's okay that you like a band it's cool whatever you know we're not the type of show that actually sits here and tells you what you can and can't like that's not our deal um you know we we cannot even make fun of the band's music but i will sit i will be damned if i'm not going to sit here and make fun of what mudvane looked like in the in the in the late 90s early 2000s or whenever they came out I will make fun of every one of those bands that dressed up that way. Uh, hey, give Corn credit. They didn't do that. And, and the, well, um, they wore the track suits, though. Um, right, no, 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 no. But I'm saying, though. They didn't paint their faces or they, anything. They were, they, your mom, you know, you might not have been able to get them, mom, but, you know, they didn't dress up like Coal Chamber or Mudvayne. Um, yeah, they, they didn't paint their faces. They just did a lot of meth. <laughs> Yeah, they just did a lot of meth. And they did, um, too. Um, no, but uh, I was going to no, say, was, like. By the way, real quick, what I was going to say is, I, I just had to say this. I think one of the most ingenious like um, things I ever read on one of those satire websites is the, and I had to quote this directly, study finds no one ever actually liked you 2 It's just everyone thought everyone else did, and no one wanted to speak up and make it awkward. I love that. I love yeah. that. 
Because they're the, they're the, they're like the biggest band in the entire world that no one can tell you they're actually a fan of. They might tell you they like some of their music. They might be like, oh yeah, when they're on the radio, I I turn it. But I've never met anybody in my life who's like, oh my god, I really love you too. Other than, you know, their tickets were. I just always remember like they were the band whose tickets were always expensive and hard to get. But yet, no one was really a big fan of this. It's, just, oh, it's an odd. I remember that article. Yeah, they are. They oh, are. They and, are. They are not. And, and by the way, the guitar player for Mudvayne was a double whammy. Not only did he have his face painted like the some edge. kind of. Like, oh no! I think no, no. The guitar, the guitar player Sorry, from Mudvayne. Mudvayne. Not yeah. only did he have his face plant painted like a methed out Darth Maul, but he also was the guy who wore tracksuits, <laughs> which is. Like he he basically looked like a Darth Maul who just like did a ton of meth on his way back from the gym. <laughs> and the singer always wore overalls with like i said the funny painted head and everything and he had the smile with the i don't know it was kind of ridiculous i i will i will easily say this though and anybody who wants to try to call bs on me uh, you're not gonna win we were huge into metal in that era i didn't like bands like that then no like, I, I thought either. they looked stupid then so I mean, you know, I I mean there was this. a lot of those bands that you weren't into, but you're like, I can listen to anything with good riffs. Um, I, admittedly, though, in the late '90s, I was so stuck in 1985 that or I wasn't into anything then. The thing is, like, I didn't like it then because it was just nothing like what I was listening to, and I don't like. And then five years later, I was able to make fun of it with everybody else. Well, for but, me, it was it was like you know I I liked Korn's first album. I still like Korn's first album. I still think that it's a good album. I still think it's a well written album. You know, I remember Life Is Peachy came out, and everybody I knew a bunch of guys who liked Korn's first album, and they all had the same reaction to Life Is Peachy when it came out. Everybody was excited. Everybody went to the store and got it. And then I remember because I was I was playing hockey at the time, and I walked in, and I'm like, so what did everybody think of Korn's new album? And everybody just kind of looked at one another, and they wanted to be honest. It was basically like when you saw the Phant- Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. You wanted to say it sucked, but you were so like worried about saying that it sucked that you just had to try to sit there and convince yourself that you liked it. Now, I mean, it's got its bright spots. Adidas is a fun song. I don't care if you hate the song; you have to admit it's a fun song. Um, you know, there's a, I mean, but generally speaking that, that album compared to their first album was like terrible. Um, now, you know, looking back, there's always nostalgia and I think nostalgia drives a lot of this stuff. Um, look, you know, a lot of people, when they first got into metal, new metal, new metal was a big sort of like stepping on point, meaning it was easier to access Mudvayne. It was easier to access Corn. It was easier to access System of Down. All that stuff, Slipknot, than it was to access Suffocation or Cannibal Corpse. Well, and when I say access, I mean it was easier to find that stuff at the time. Well, and it was it was a reflection of the time too. I mean, again, yeah, you know, you know at like the I time, said, you're like, you know, you're 16. Your mom doesn't get you, you know. Well, but it was the kind of music that you would find. On on Monday Night Raw, or you would find it on, you know, in connection with a video game, or, um, you know, these were the band they, they, they would bands like that would be on Jerry Springer, you know. I mean, I realize like typo negative was and Guar was, but I just mean like it was, it, it all just kind of went together, you know the the um. The, the angry 16-year-old well, kids who want to be a freak 
you know, it just well, it tied all together. Everything worked. Hot topic. I mean, hot topic was a big retailer at that point. Sorry if you, I, I disappeared for a second. I was picking up another uh, cocktail. Um, Were you picking up change in a hardcore? No, I was pit? not picking up change. No, I've never picked up change, and I will never pick up change. There's no karate in the pit. Um, but anyway, so you know, I mean, it was interesting because. Again, I know, I know, I will bust the balls of new metal and everything else like that. But the fact remains that new metal is responsible for a lot of people liking death metal. It's responsible for a lot of people liking a lot of the modern different, a lot of the modern underground metal. Everybody had their gateway. I mean, look, you and I were fortunate enough to grow up in a house or grow up in houses that exposed us to like Judas Priest and Metallica Young. Like we grew, I mean, I grew up listening to. Literally, I grew up listening to. Um, screaming for vengeance and British Steel and Ozzy and Black Sabbath and you know a lot even some of like Metallica and even some of the glam stuff like Motley Crue and all that stuff. So I literally grew up with that like that that was the music I grew up with. Um, so like I never had that like point in my life where I was like, oh hey what's this? Oh Mudvayne awesome you know like this is this is pretty loud and angry and everything like I like this because by that point I already knew cannibal corpse and i already knew uh you know slayer and i already knew like that you know i i already knew uh uh six feet under and 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 like cryptopsy and all those bands and stuff like that so i never had that point where i was like oh you know i never you know had that stepping on point and i'm not trying to sit here and brag and i'm not trying to puff up my chest and be like i liked everything before ever no i'm simply saying had my parents listened to you know Willie Nelson or had my parents listen to like the Beatles or 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 something you know like like just you know pop like whatever pop music or whatever top 40 music was on at the time I might I might have said oh Mudvayne that's that's awesome you know oh you know corn this is this is like the heaviest stuff ever because you know there were those kids because we knew those kids who were like we'd we'd be have our cannibal corpse shirts on and they'd be like, oh, Cannibal Corpse, that's cool. Have you guys ever heard Slipknot? They're like the heaviest band ever. And we'd be like, okay, cool, man. You do you. You know, like we'd be like, and we'd look at one another and be like, what the hell is this kid talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, like I said, for me, for me, admittedly, I was just really, st- I, I just wanted. I was just into metal from the 80s. I mean, not that that's all I listened to, but I was just, I wanted metal to sound like Anthrax and Metallica, you know, Pantera. And and a lot of them, hey, I, I get it that Pantera was one of the biggest influences on that. On that um, oh, all those bands cite Pantera as a mega influence. Um, Pantera doesn't sound like them at all, but you could hear... That was the next, you know. That was the, the, was the, the evolution. Generation. You know, it was. Uh, but we and we've said this before. Like, um, in 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 the albums that really made new metal happen, you know, everybody cites Pantera, but you you have to also cite, um, uh, uh, Chaos AD. Like you have to. Chaos AD roots like Sepultura. Well, it, especially K- well roots too. Yeah, but I was gonna say especially. Especially Chaos AD because it was just like that thing came out. It was like what's what I find funniest about that is that people always say, "Oh, Sepultura jumped on the new metal bandwagon," not even realizing that those albums or at least Chaos AD came out before new metal existed. 
Like everybody right. thinks that Sepultura hurt. Like everybody thinks that Sepultura did what Machine Head did. Right, I was gonna say, yeah, Machine Head did. Machine Head literally, because they were a power groove metal, they were a power groove band similar to like Pantera. Like, you know, I mean, they didn't sound anything like Pantera, but they were similar. Like, those two toured. I think they did tour together. But even if they didn't, they, they could tour together flawlessly. You hear the Burning Red come out. And even even Mike Flynn, uh, not Mike Flynn, um, Rob. Rob Flynn, even, I don't know why I said Mike Flynn, Rob Flynn, even he like laughs. He goes, yeah, I have no clue what I was thinking. I had the frosted tips. I was in track suits. He goes, I started rapping. Like even he was like, yeah, I was really just trying to figure out where we fit. Uh, and, and that's one thing I will say about Pan- like Pantera, no matter how, if they, no matter how out of style they would have fallen, I could never see Phil Anselmo being like, Got a hood like I could never see him doing that. You know what I mean? Right. No, I, I um and, and that's not me like saying, oh, Phil's cooler than everybody. That's just me saying I couldn't see Pantera ever being anything but Pantera. Um But again, um you know, I don't know. Again, I'm not trying to turn this into a crap a crap on New Metal Fest. Uh, I forget how we even got here. I don't know. But it, it's just Doesn't really, really funny that, I don't know, it's really funny that, like, you know, we look back on a lot of these bands that that some of us used to think were silly. And by the way, I wasn't a Mudvayne fan back then. Dig was like an, it, it, Dig was one of those songs where I was like, okay, it's on, I'm not going to complain, but I'm also not going to listen to it. Um, But you know, everybody now like looks back at a lot of that stuff the same way. You know what? You know what it reminds me of, honestly, stuff. It reminds me of when we in the '90s were going to concerts and all of those glam bands started touring. And and, and for years, everybody made fun of them. They they crapped on all those. Remember, remember when people used to wear like Aquanet and sing like all those stupid ballads and stuff. Five years later, everybody's like, "Dude, you hear Poison's coming to town? We should go." You know, and it wasn't in an ironic way. Like they literally wanted to go. I think that's basically where new metal's at right now, in terms of like, or maybe not even right now, but was even a couple years ago, where it was like, all these new metal bands are coming out of the woodwork because all the kids that were into new metal and slamming their doors saying, "You just don't get me, mom," with their Slipknot posters and you know, on and their Mudvayne posters on the wall, now have a ton of expend or now have at least some. And I wouldn't say a ton, have some expendable income to go see those concerts again that they couldn't go see because their moms wouldn't drive them. Um, you know, even Pantera, a version of Pantera is out in the road. Which, by the way, they're coming to Madison Square Garden, and <sighs> I'm having trouble, man. I'm having trouble. Did you hook and up I, with a burner? I, I did not hook up with a burner. Oh. I didn't. I would be I, truthfully at this point in my life, I'd be relieved to have hooked up. I, 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 I would honestly take the hooking up with a burner and say, at least I got something. Um, <laughs> hey, but, look, look at it this way: you had a great meal, and you got <laughs> you got a great meal and leftovers in a doggy bag. You know? It's it's like Taco Bell. You know, you know what you're in for, but you're saying, well, it's this or nothing. <laughs> uh, anyway, no. so yeah. Looks like a big taco. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, well, you you know you're gonna pay for it later, but you're like, but it's right in front of me. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. And it's right in front of me, and it's just so darn good. Um, yeah. Anyway, oh, so, anyways, what the point I was trying to make was, you know, Pantera is coming to Madison Square Garden. Um, tickets are kind of kind of up there in price. You know, just like Maiden. However, for me, it's one of those things where, like, first of all, I'm annoyed. Lamb of God is opening. And you and I have had this discussion. 
I have nothing but love and nothing but respect for anybody that's a Lamb of God fan. That's cool. I'm, I'm, they're not my thing. We always say on the show a ton of times, we don't like bands. We're, we're not going to say they suck. We're not, you know, unless we're busting each other's bulls. We're not going to say they suck. We're not going to say they're terrible, but Lamb of God's not my thing. I like, I like one or two songs on Ashes of the Wake, but other than that, I've just not been able to get into them, and they are opening the show. You and I have said, to, you and I have seen Lamb, you know, not together, but obviously we live in different states, but each of us has seen Lamb of God open for other bands more times than we care to, like, count. Like I just it, don't know. This is an actual, I mean, all, all ball busting aside, I find it interesting that they are the default opening band for everybody. Yeah. And, and, and they are the default band who opens for everyone who is legitimately big enough on their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're, they're just... I don't think they know. could play MSG on their own. No, 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 they couldn't. But my point is, any band that is bigger than Lamb of God just takes Lamb of God out on tour. I know, like Slayer. I've seen him open for Slayer. I've seen him open for Cannibal Corpse. I've seen, or was it Cannibal Corpse? Yep, you were. With yeah, me, yeah, we saw him open for Cannibal Corpse. I, I'm going I maybe see them open for Pantera. I, they, I they, can't. Yeah. I can't even remember who else. I've seen them multiple they, times. They, they recently, they recently did a, a run with uh, run with Megadeth. They just yeah. open for everybody. So my biggest thing is this. So t- tickets are kind of up there. It's not Pantera. Look again. I know a lot of people did not get to see Pantera, so for them, this is Pantera. At the end of the day, even Pantera says it's a tribute. I'm not trying to, you know, pee in your cornflakes, but at the end of the day, it's Zach Wilde and it's Charlie Benanti. I love both of them, and I could not think of two better people to do this. I think it's great that they're out there touring these songs. I think it's great that they're out there paying tribute. Um... um but at the end of the day, you know, it's not Pantera. Um, anyways, uh, but my point is this. My point is this. Tickets are kind of up there. Lamb of God's opening. So I'm having trouble rationalizing paying a bucket load. Because I lo- I literally have above my computer on the wall the signed ticket of Vinnie Paul and Scott Ian. It's signed. It was $20.50. Tickets that are not nosebleed tickets to this Pantera show are $125. And that's after fees, admittedly. So it's after fees. So, you know, they're probably actually like, you know, $13.95, but then the fees bring them up to $125. Um, But I I don't know. I'm just having trouble rationalizing that. Like, I'm seeing, you know, half a band. The two fill-in members are two people I have nothing but respect and love for. And then an opening band that I just truly don't like. So it's like I'm I'm having tr- but but on the other hand I I want to see this tour because I'm I'm thinking to myself this is not going to go on forever, um, this is not going to go on forever like this is going to at some point end, so I I kind of want to see this tour before Zach and and Charlie are like Charlie's like all right look you know we got a new Anthrax album I got a tour on that and Zach's like I do have Black Label Society I got to get back to that. And I couldn't see Pantera continue. And if Pantera continued with two other members, I don't know who they'd pick, but they would not be Zach and Charlie. So I don't oh, know. I agree. It wouldn't work. 
But that, I mean, that's my point. So, like, part of me is like, do I really want to pay through the nose? And by the way, I'm, when I say that I paid 20 bucks to see him in 1998, I am well aware that that was like 20 plus years ago. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be one of those guys that's like, oh, I saw Iron Maiden for seven ninety five in 1982. His ticket prices are astronomical. Not what I'm saying. Yeah, but the difference is back in those days, that was, yeah, I get it, inflation, but. Well, for, but for me, but for me again, it's it's not necessarily just the monetary cost of the ticket. It's what you're getting for it. I'm not right. getting an opening band because I don't care about Lamb of God, and I'm basically seeing a tribute band with two original members. Right. Yeah. When we saw them, it was Sebastian Bach and Anthrax were the opening bands. Right. So like that. That's that's my like that's my sticking point. So I don't know. But anyways, I, I digress. I just wanted to bring that up real quick, you know, when you're talking about, like, seeing nostalgia bands and things. But nostalgia may win the day, but you and I both have tickets to see Judas Priest, so. Yeah, uh, so Priest is going on tour with Sabaton, which is awesome. They are exactly the band that they should be touring with, by the way, um, because Sabaton is just amazing. <laughs> They're so good live. I've, I've only seen them twice. Um, so this will be my third time. The last two times I saw Priest, Queensryche was the opening band. And who, by the way, Queensryche is currently on tour with uh, Armored Saint. And Queensryche is doing the EP and the warning. I, we might have talked about this last episode. I don't remember. Because I don't, I don't remember if we talked about this last episode or... This was what I was going to probably talk about had we recorded last week. I don't remember. I think we talked about it. But anyway, they're they're touring and they're doing the original EP and the warning in full. But the date that I'm going to, Queensryche is not playing. But Armored Saint is. It's it's a off night. You know, it's a um, it's a night off on the tour. So Armored Saint is doing a smaller headlining show. Bands do this all the time. And Priest is touring with Sabaton, which, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I, I know you just said, man, actually, this is interesting, right? If you think about it. Priest is only... I mean, you're, you're saying how, like, you know, you're going to... You, maybe, you might go see Pantera. And it's just the singer and bass player. It's the exact same is true with Priest. Interestingly enough, I mean, I, you could call Scott Travis because he's been in the band since Painkiller, but I didn't think about it until just now. Similarly to Pantera, just being the vocalist and and bass player, Judas Priest is also the vocalist and bass player. Yeah, but like you said, Scott Travis has been there. Even Richie Faulkner's been there for a long time. Sure, and also, sure, 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 sure. And also the opener is is somebody I care about. And look, I'm not saying Lamb of God's a bad opener for Pantera. They're no, actually they're probably a great very, opener. I don't very, like Lamb of God. Good. I personally don't like Lamb of God. And that's I, I personally don't like Lamb of God. If my, it was a different complaint. band, I might say, okay, well, yeah, it's too bad. But I'm talking, this is a personal thing for me. Well, actually, I, I will say two things. I, I, well, number one, it is a personal thing for me with Lamb of God where I'm just not into it. But I will also say it reminds me back in the 90s when every concert I went to, Static X was the opening band. Yeah. And I don't dislike Static X, but I saw them like six times. And I never saw Static X in concert. I never saw Static X headline a show 
but I saw them open a bunch of times. Like, it was just crazy how many times I saw Static X. I was like, oh, look, it's Static X again. Now it's just Lamb of God. It's like, oh, look, it's Lamb of God again. My only complaint would literally just be that they're, they're just the, they're the default opening band, and sometimes it would be cool to see. Hey, look, I love Queensryche. I saw Queensryche open for Judas Priest. I saw him a, a, like a year later. I was bummed that Queensryche was the opening band because I'm like, well, I just saw them open for Priest. I'd love to see someone else. Nothing against, and I love Queensryche, but it was just like, I, I mean, I would love to see somebody else. So that would be my only annoyance with Lamb of God, other than, again, personally, I'm not a fan, but that's not, that's just me. I would, I just would be at the point of, could it be someone else at this point? Um, but Priest, I mean, Halford is just, it's just crazy how, how good the guy is. I mean, does he sound like he did in the 80s? No. Will he try to tell you he can sing like he could in the 80s? No. Is he? Does he still sound great? Yes. No. Rob Halford is not 100% of what he was 40 years ago. But he's still really good vocally. And he still has every bit of the Halford personality on stage that he ever had. You know what I mean? Nothing, nothing about Halford is lost other than, you know, his voice isn't as good as it once was. But when when Halford's on stage, the, the Jim Brewer impression of Halford is still applies. Do you remember the Jim Brewer impression of Halford? He just walks out on stage with his leather pants. <laughs> All he has to do is scream and go, Everybody's like, yeah, it's true too, though. Like Rob Halford could just walk out on stage and stand in the middle of the stage and be like, ah, and everybody be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But what's that's the thing about Halford? Other guys can't do that. Uh, uh, Tim Owens proved that. True. Tim Owens is incredible. Still is. He still sounds great. Tim Owens has vocal chops that no one has. He can't walk out on stage in leather pants and go, ah, and it, it just, people are like, who's this dweeb shadowboxing? <laughs> well, it's hard to shadowbox in leather pants, first of all. Um, and I'm a, dude, I'm a huge fan of Tim Owens. I mean, I really am. I mean, I loved Jugulator. Um, Demolition was good. It wasn't great, but I mean, I loved Jugulator. Uh, the Glorious Burden, the, the Iced Earth record that he was on, it, his, some of his best, if not his best vocal performances ever. Um, you know, the, the, the new, the new, uh, KK priest records are real. That, that one's really good. Um, so it I do, I really, is, yeah. I really like Tim Owens. I just, <laughs> he didn't, he doesn't have, he's not Halford. Halford, I mean, it's he, the intangible he, stuff. It's uh, Halford is great vocally, but he also has the intangible stuff. He's he, got, he's got the presence that everybody else doesn't have. And that's what I'm getting about is like, he's a lot. Actually, can I go, can I make a. Can I make a comparison here? Say what you're going to say, but I, I want to make a comparison here about that. I was just going to say Tim Owens would tell you he's not Rob Alford. I know. Sure. He actually hated having to dress like that. Yeah. He would rather dress in, like, you know, boxing trunks and a robe with some gloves or... Yeah, he'd rather play, <laughs> you know, punch out. Um, he comes, hey guys, he, zero, zero, he seven, comes on five, stage seven, dressed like Little Mac. 
<laughs> yeah, what I was going to say is, hey, guys, it's 007 573. Uh, 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 anyway, anyway um, <laughs> here's the point. Um, it's just, it's the thing about, um, sorry, my computer's being dumb. Uh, here's a three. Here's the thing. What I was going to say is if you type zero, zero, seven, three, seven, three, five, nine, six, three, that's the code to get Tim Owens to show up. Um, <laughs> that was the old Mike Tyson code. Dun, um, dun, dun, I can type dun, it in with my hand. I had to think what the numbers were. His, um, his entrance music should be like. They should play the punch out theme when he walks out on stage. I know. I know. They, they totally should. Um, here, here's what I was going to make. A, uh, let me make a comparison. I, I mean, you know what? I'm curious of your thoughts on this because I, I just made a comparison a minute ago and I didn't think about this. I'm going to make the comparison that if you're doing the Pantera versus Judas Priest thing, right? Halford is not 100% as vocally what he used to be, albeit he's still good. But I would I would argue that Halford is 100% Halford in every other way. Like, I think if you go see Priest right now, you're going to hear a Rob Halford that sounds great, maybe not as great as he was before, but he sounds pretty great. And, but he is the, you, you get 100, you get as much Halford as you would have gotten had you seen him 40 years ago, right? You get the same, the same character, the same personality, the same fire, all of it. But you know, you know what the thing he does though is he actually like chooses their songs based on the fact that he knows what he can do. Like he's not out there. He's not one of those vocalists who's out there trying to like, oh, I can still sing every single high note. I can still sing. You know, he does Painkiller, but if you l look at their track, like at least when I saw last saw them, I don't know about when you last saw them. If you look at their their track listing, a lot of it is lower register songs. Like, well, you know, he's he's doing the Living After Midnight. He's doing the Breaking the Law. He's doing the You Got Another Thing Coming. He's and they're and I think truthfully, the only reason why Painkiller is still in the set is because he has to play it. Well, you know what? I will. I, and I'll get back to the Pantera thing, but I will say this. Halford actually sings all of the songs that they play, though. He doesn't skip the high notes and point the microphone to the crowd. Well, that's what I mean, though. Do you but, know what I mean? I'm saying, though, even in something like Painkiller, he doesn't do what, like, because that's what vocalists do now. They just don't sing the high part in the chorus or whatever. They just, they pretend like they want the crowd to do it. It's like, yeah, because you can't. But here's what I was going to say. Here's the difference between Pantera and Priest. I will argue from now. I've not seen the 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 new, you know, the new Pantera, whatever. I have not seen it live, but I've seen a large number of videos. I would actually argue that Phil sounds really good. I think Phil sounds really good. I think Phil sounds as good live now as he actually. He, I might even go as far as to say he sounds better live now. Than he did in the '90s, probably because he's taking better care of himself. Well, I think that has a lot to do with it. He got his but. You see a guy barefoot, standing still, with zero personality. I think Phil sounds great, but I think you get none of the Phil Anselmo experience 
that you used to get. Now, look. Well, they probably. Yes, I know what he did, and I know people are pissy about it. Stop. We're not talking about that. Okay? Well, but I think I, I but he said here, a couple you know, of dumb things. No, no, hold on. I think that it's necessary to talk about it. I don't think it's necessary to retread what he did. Right, I think okay. it's necessary to say though that I honestly think that he shot his mouth off both at the end of Pantera's career and periodically when he was solo. You know, he got drunk. He had some substance abuse problems. I'm willing to bet that when Charlie and Zach signed on, they looked him dead in the eye and said, you know, the two of us have a lot more to lose on this tour than you do. You have everything to gain. We have a lot to lose. So shut your mouth. You're like, I guarantee they looked him in the eye and said, the minute you start spouting off nonsense, we're out of here. Because, I mean, truthfully, honestly, Phil has like a dozen bands going on right now. None of them are Pantera. Black Label and Anthrax are massive compared to anything that Phil's got going on right now. Same with Rex. So this tour needs Charlie and Zach a lot more than Charlie and Zach need this tour. So well, I, I'm I, willing I to it's... bet. I'm willing to bet that the two of them looked at Phil and said, you know, you go out there and you do your thing. You don't go out there and start spouting off crap. Like, here's my thing. I am happy that... Why is my mouse not working? Sorry. My computer's being dumb. Um, I am happy, clearly, that he's not going out there and saying the things that got him in trouble. But I will say that there's two problems. Number one, even just the normal... Not off the rails, Phil stuff. He, like just, the, 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 they, they, you pay good money to curse out loud. I mean, even stuff like that. Like the 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 Phil Anselmo personality. I think I, I'll put it this way. I think he's overcompensating. You know what I mean? I I, I think I think he's overcompensating. I mean, whether or not whether or not it's because. He has to. I don't know, but he's overcompensating. The other half of it is, and I understand Phil had neck issues. I understand that. But I also think he's overcompensating because he plants his feet and doesn't move. I also think he's getting old. No, no, no. I, I agree. I agree. I just, it's just to me, it's like, and I'm, look, man, I'm not, I'm not even trying to give him a hard time. And I'm not. I'm saying it's just, it's interesting the difference. Where Halford acts like he always did on stage. His energy level is still there. Like everything's there. It's just, you know, his vocals are clearly not as good as they used to be. Where where Phil arguably, I think, sounds better than he ever did. And maybe the fact that he's not moving is part of it. But I just find it he's very he's very stiff. He's very not fill for for better or for worse maybe it's better maybe maybe the fact that he's just concentrating on sounding good instead of trying to be the guy well i think it's but on the other hand like he's not be he's not being the guy either i think like, i think i think I think it is a couple of things. And first of all, I think he's more concerned right now with his performance. Because, again, you also have Charlie and Zach who are used to working with people who can deliver. 
Like the Phil Anselmo you and I saw in 2000, what, 2001, where he's stumbling around on stage and hitting himself in the head with the microphone by accident, looking around for who threw something at him and barely able to get through the songs. Like, again, those two guys are saying, like, we could go do something else that would probably make, you know, maybe not make them as much money, but it'd be a heck of a lot more fulfilling and a heck of a lot less risky. They're probably, I mean, again, they probably had a talk with him, and I, I, I would be shocked. I would be utterly shocked if Charlie and Zach did not look at Phil and say, again, you have a lot less to lose. You have everything to gain on this. We have everything to lose and only a little to gain. So keep your act together. And at the end of the day, what he's probably doing is, first of all, he's old. Like, he doesn't have the 30-year-old energy where he's going to go out there and be like, number one, I like it. You know, he's not going to be doing that. Second, I I mean, i got to be honest with you. I haven't watched an entire concert with him, so I don't know. Maybe he is doing some of the banter. But I just just mean in general. And I think the, the energy is different, though. Like, again, this is a tribute show. Like, I don't care how what people are going to sit there and tell me about how... And I'm not trying to... Again, I hate this conversation um, about, is it Pantera? Isn't it Pantera? Because no matter how you slice it, if you sit here and say this is not Pantera, you come off sounding like Timmy Toughnuts, I'm better than you, I saw the real Pantera, blah, blah, blah. And that's not what I'm saying. The fact of the matter is, Pantera was dead. It, but they're billing it as a tribute. Well, and that's the thing. They're billing it as a tribute as well, and that's part of it, though. But I understand there's a lot of kids out there and a lot of dudes who never got to see Pantera, a lot of ladies who never got to see Pantera who want to check that box and say, I saw Pantera. They don't want to say, I saw a tribute to Pantera with Phil and with Phil and Rex. They want to say, I saw Pantera. So I understand there's a lot of passionate people out there because I see it all the time in, 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 in social media comments where people are like, you know, reminder, this is a tribute. And people are like, it's not a tribute. It's Pantera. It's just as much Pantera. And the bottom line is like, it's a tribute. And and I think at the end of the day, Phil might be walking that line where he's kind of like, I got to watch what I say, especially in 2023. Look, let's be honest with you. He could have, and he did. He could and did say some things in the '90s. He could get away with that today. He can't. And not only that, in 1999, no, not everybody in the crowd didn't have a freaking camera in their pocket or a video well, camera in their pocket. You know, can I can I say one thing though? Like here, here's a big difference for me. I get. And by the way, I'm not even giving them a hard time about it. I'm not even disagreeing with this. I'm simply just making the comparison that, like, you're you're totally getting you're getting the best of Phil Anselmo vocally, um, but you're you are absolutely not getting vulgar display of power. You are getting vulgar display of power, Phil vocally. Maybe even better. You are not getting vulgar display, and I'm not talking when Phil was off the rails. I'm saying you are not getting vulgar display of power, Phil. For for better or for worse, I mean, I'm not I'm not even I'm not putting him down for it. I'm simply saying you're just not. I mean, let's be fair, you're not. The thing that's weird for me, and dude, I I've, I haven't been there. Maybe it's different when you're there. What I what's weird to me about every video I've seen of Pantera playing live recently 
I I see and maybe it's because most of the videos I saw them were like opening for Metallica or they're not maybe it'll be different when they're headlining. Let me say this. Maybe it's different when they're headlining. And it probably is. But I watch this guy who's up on stage like, yeah, dude, man, I'm the vocalist. You're not walking up, you're not watching this guy walking up on stage being like, I own this room. There was Phil uh, ego. May, and again, maybe it's because he his, he got his ego in check. It's very possible the guy finally just got his ego in check. Maybe it's because he finally doesn't think he's the biggest badass in the entire world. Maybe he finally doesn't think he's the coolest guy in the entire world. But that was also part of part of the that was part of the fill. You know, like I mean I'm if you watch him now, now you're watching this guy who you're like, "Yeah, you're a pretty awesome vocalist." But you're not watching the you're not watching this guy who's like, "Yeah, like I guess what I'm saying is this. If you took someone who was 18 years old now, and again, I'm not I have not seen them live personally, so it might be different in the room. And I've not seen them as a headliner. That's fine. If I took a friend if I took someone who was 18, 20 years old, and they're like, "I want to go see Pantera." And I took them. And I said, "What do you think?" They're probably going to say it was great. They're probably going to say, I would, and I, if I said to them, like, tell me, what do you think of their vocalist? They would probably say, dude, that guy sounded awesome. But I think that it's going to stop with, I think, that, I, I just, I don't think, I don't think they're going to walk away looking at me being like, I, 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 they would walk away going like, yeah, you're not, you're, yeah, dude, that guy sounds great. I think that's awesome. I don't think they're going to look at me and be like, I get why he was the guy. And again, maybe it's just because his his ego's in check. Maybe it's because he's you know he's sober. I don't know. Like, I, but it's I, just I, it's it's just. And again, I'm not even. I'm, please and, don't take this as an. I'm not being negative, because I'm all for what they're doing. I think Phil sounds great. I'm happier that he's ta- he's clearly taking better care of himself. I'm just simply saying that what you don't see on stage is the guy who. The guy who was unquestionably the guy. But again, it might be different in person and it might be different on a headlining show like you're going to. You might come back and be like, dude, he's definitely, no, he's not ranting like he used to, but it's definitely Phil. You know, I'll be honest with you. And the thing I, th- I don't even know if I'm making sense entirely. Yeah. I mean, but- I, I get it. And what I'm, what I think though is, you know, Phil arguably, and I don't care what you tell me, like I, Look, what you think of Phil Anselmo as far as type of person he is, what his views are, etc. There's no denying that he was one of the best frontmen of the 90s at least. Well, I, I think that's what I'm saying. You're getting a great vocalist. I don't know if you're I don't know if Phil now is the is this leg, is acting like the legendary frontman. And that's the thing. Phil would get up there and he would get, have the Paul eat the crowd, and I'm talking vulgar display, far beyond driven. Again, I understand he went off the rails. I, I'm, the not, I'm not talking career. off the rails. I'm talking vulgar. Yeah, display I'm talking power. vulgar display. But like even even official, like basically listen to official live, 
and that's the era of Phil Anselmo, where he's or watch, not or watch the Cowboys from Hell or Vulgar video, right? Where he's not up there like talking about what he thinks about stuff and what he when he's up there saying like we're all here together, you know, people like light, you know, this is proof that loud music's alive and we're a family and Pantera is here to you know you know go drink, you know that kind of like that that's like Phil Anselmo I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the Phil Anselmo who gets up and starts. Blah, blah, blah. This is what's wrong with everything, and this is what I don't like. And blah. No, that Phil Anselmo was nuts. Uh, that's, a, that's a Phil Anselmo who's fueled with heroin and God knows what else. Um, but he's arguably – he would go into a room, and he would have the crowd eating out of the palm of his hand. He wouldn't have Every- to, Dude, you said, this, you said this about when you saw the Misfits. You said Danzig didn't have to do anything but stand there and be Danzig. Yeah. That's the right? same thing with Phil. Phil, Phil would Phil, get up there. He didn't have to do anything but be Phil. And that's what I'm getting at is like it's weird because I'm hearing I'm hearing Phil. I'm not seeing it. Yeah. I mean, look. And it's dude, it's not just the fact that he's physically not capable of running around and jumping around like he used to. And it's not just that he's not going off on tirades, you know, see all that the the the, the BS breath in the face. You know, red beer, you know, all that weird. It's not even that. It's just there's when when that when that stuff got dropped, you're just I, I, I'm just not seeing that guy who controls the room. But it's like I said, maybe he got his ego in check. And in fairness, that ego is what made Phil Phil. I mean, I'll I'll give a I'll give a, a, a side example. And again, I'm not talking about politics, but I will never forget a conversation I had years and years ago about someone saying, "I, you know, I like Ted Nugent's guitar playing, but his ego is just ridiculous, and I can't stand him for it." And I went, his ego is what makes him play the way he plays. And they're like, no, ego and guitar playing are two different things. I'm like, clearly you're not a guitar player. Ingve's, if Ingve wasn't the way he was, he wouldn't play the way he does. I don't mean you have to be, a, a, you know, you don't have to an ego to be good. Steve Vai doesn't have an ego. Not much of one anyway. You know, he's, but the difference is, the Ingve thing is based on him thinking he's better than everybody else. And, you know, Ted Nugent, his attitude, and I say what he wanted about politics, that's not what I'm even talking about. But, the, but Ted Nugent's ability to walk up on stage and be Ted Nugent is what makes him be able to be Ted Nugent. You know, it's the, the ego, the personality, all of that is what makes, his, is what makes him who he is. It's what... What allows someone to play a five-minute guitar solo in Stranglehold that's essentially just a couple of notes and a few bends, and it be that awesome because you have to have gigantic balls to be like, I'm going to play a five-minute guitar solo, and it's just going to be this, and I'm going to own every guitar player in the room, and they're all going to think I'm better than they are. Like, it's – and Phil, Phil had that. He had that. And like I said, again, it's probably better. I just don't see someone. I don't think you get. Yeah, you're you're just you're not again polar opposite of Halford. 
I know they're two different things. I know I'm comparing apples to oranges, but what I mean is at 72 years old, you're getting Halford as much as you ever got Halford. You're just, you know, clearly at 70-something, 72, 73 years old, whatever he is, his voice is not going to hold up the way it used to. And, you know, even if it's, even if physically he can't move around like he used to, it is unquestionably an older version of the exact same guy. Phil is a different person. That's a different person on stage. I, I, like it or not, that's a different person on stage. Maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe maybe he's happier. Maybe he's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not inside of his head. <clears throat> I don't know, you know, but it's it's a different it is a different person. I mean, what I'm getting at is the Tim Owens versus Rob Halford thing. Tim could sing every note. I don't I never thought Tim sounded like Halford, but he could sing every note without a problem. But he didn't have Halford's personality. He didn't I mean, have he didn't have it. I mean that's the thing, and like, look, like, you know, you know like, 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 I'll say this: like, Zach Wild is not dime; he never will be dime. He doesn't act like dime. He's also not fairness, pretending to be dime. No, he's not trying to pretend to be dime. He's not. But you are getting a guy with as much attitude and life and and excitement in the way he plays as you could. As in, you know what I mean, like. No, it's not dime. You can't replace dime. But you're getting you are at least getting a guy who has that amount of passion and love and energy and swagger, like all of the stuff that dime had, you're getting a guy that has his own version of that same kind of thing. Phil, you're getting a different version. But again, maybe that's a good thing. You know, um, like let, let me let me give you another another interesting example to me. Not I'll, I'll get off the Pantera Judas Priest thing. I always joke that. Um, have I ever talked about? Um, and it's actually it's funny. It was a band we we're going to talk about today. Um, have I ever have I ever called a band the Forrest Gump band? Do you I know what I'm talking about so. when I said the Forrest Gump band. I don't believe so. Oh, it's Fear Factory. Fear Factory's lineup is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Oh, yeah. Um, because it's not as if Fear Factory was just Dino and a cycle of other musicians. It's like at one point in time it was Dino but not, you know, um, but not Burton. And then it was Burton and not Dino. And then it was neither one of them. But you got, you know what I mean? Like it was just weird. It's every time one of them comes in, the other one goes out. It's just this revolving door of odd lineups. Fear Factory has a new vocalist. The guy even cuts his freaking hair like Burton did. Like, you were watching this guy. It's pathetic. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I try. I mean, look, we, we always make it a rule. We try not to make fun of bands, and I'm not making fun of bands. I'm saying the dude's got Burton's haircut. The weird one with like the bangs are a little longer than they should be. And he tries to stand on stage like Burton. It's weird. By the way, did you see who their drummer is? No. It's Pete Weber from Havoc. Oh, I. you know what? 
Which makes way too much sense, by the way. I did. You know what? I did. I did see that he was he was touring with Fear Factory. Now that you say that, because I that he posted about it, and he posted. Well, you know what? I think I saw him post with Fear Factory, and I didn't know if he was coming off a tour or had joined the band like on tour. But I guess he's yeah, latter. So you know, you know what's awesome though, and it's funny because I just mentioned them a couple of minutes ago. The uh, do you know who the bass player (laughs) who the bass player is? It's Tony uh, Campos. He was the the, the bass player in Static yeah, X. Static X, yeah. Um, um, I mean, dude, he's a guy that's been around forever. He played in Prong and, and I, isn't um, isn't is is Dino playing guitar or is it still yeah. Christian? No, that's the thing. It's it's Dino now. Well, that's what I was saying. Like at one point in time, like it wasn't Dino, but it was Christian. And then and then Burton came back and Christian. Like it's so weird. It's like those guys just they just swap lineups all the time. So either they're they're my you know uh, uh, life was like a Fear Factory lineup. You never know what you're gonna get. Like it's just it's just it's it's hilarious to me that they are that way. Uh, but yeah, Pete Weber's their drummer, dude. Pete Weber's an incredible drummer. Clearly, um, you know the the Nuclear Power Trio and this stuff. He dies. He's a great drummer. Um, but man, I, I'm telling you, like it's just it's. Uh, I, I, he's, he's got a better, uh, he stays, I think he's got better pitch than Dino ever did. And what I mean by that is, I mean, come on, let's be fair. Um, Dino would go in and out of heavies to cleans and if he was on key, a third of the time, that was probably a good thing. I'm not giving him a hard time about it. Burton was awesome, and Burton was completely unique in what he did. And no one ever sounded like Burton. It was his thing. And frankly, I don't think anybody ever cared that, you know, he didn't exactly have, like, the world's greatest pitch all the time. But, um, like, I've watched videos of, you know, new guy whatever his name is and doesn't matter to me. Um, it's not that it doesn't matter to me because I'm, I'm giving him a hard time. It doesn't matter to me because their lineup changes so much. It's just kind of weird for me. Again, I'm not, I'm not knocking the guy, but I think, I mean, am I wrong? Look at that picture. I just <laughs> yeah. He does seem to I be mean, trying to like, look like Burton. You, you, you look like Burton. You're, you're trying to do the Burton thing. Um, it's weird. It's just weird. I don't know. I, I think it's very weird. And watching the guy with the with, with, with Burton's haircut, trying to look like Burton and act like Burton, it's just it's very tribute band to me, man. And I don't I don't like saying that. I don't, but it's so tribute band to me. But may, now maybe if you go and you're like, dude, I just want to hear Fear Factory's music. Hey, the, he probably delivered. I mean, I watched a couple videos of him. Like, I mean, he sounds like Burton. He does. He sounds like Burton. I mean, there's no denying he does. So it's another question of if that's what you want. Um, but I do find it kind of odd that he, I mean, he's he full on. Yeah, he, he full on. His, it's just kind of the hair thing, man. If he wasn't doing the haircut, I probably wouldn't have – I would probably not give the guy a hard time at all. That's just a weird part for me. It's just a weird – like, dude, put a hat on or something. <laughs> you know? Like, put a hat on, bro. Just put a hat on. 
because you're 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 looking like like <laughs> like like Dino, and it's weird. Um, <laughs> just is, man. Oh, I don't know how better to say. Um, but I mean, I I've only you know I again, folks, I'm busting balls. I was never a huge Fear Factory fan. Admittedly, I like I like their first three albums. I don't I don't get as excited about their first three albums, and I don't get as excited about Demanufacture as you do. But I like the records. I really like the first one, and I like I like the second and third one. Um, I like to manufacture more than than anything else, but so they're not my. Ba- I would love to hear, I would love to hear some like big Fear Factory fans' opinions on this, because admittedly my my opinion on it is 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 not crazy because I again I'm a I am a casual listener of their first three records, who will go on record as saying they're really good. They were extremely unique, great at what they did. It was just, Fear Factory was just stylistically not my thing. They're the one band that sounded like that that I really liked, you know, because I just thought they were good at what they were good at how they did that sort of thing. Um, but again, I'm I am at, at best a casual. Like, I wouldn't call myself a Fear Factory fan, casual listener who really enjoys three albums, which you know. Um, I, I, I like obsolete, I like the manufacture a lot more. Uh, and I like the first album too. The, the first album, it, 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 you know, it was, it was definitely a band trying to find themselves, but I, I still really like it. Um, uh, so I, I would be, I would be curious, uh, like, like for example, I don't know if you've watched any videos of it. I would be curious, not. E- even like your opinion of it. Like I just, I was the other day, I was just watching some videos of them live. I've, I've heard the singer, but I haven't heard him with Fear Factory. Um, I don't know. Fear Factory for me, like, I have fond memories of Demanufacture of Obsolete. I thought Mechanize was a great album, but Mechanize honestly, is a ridiculously good album. It, it really is. Uh, uh, Hoagland played on it. It's, it's, that is really. Fear Campaign's amazing. The title track's amazing. I mean, I over, would, I, dude, it's as good as. It's better. I would even say, I would even go as far as say it's better than Obsolete. I was about to say it's better than Obsolete. I would not say it's better than Demanufacture. It's not better than Demanufacture. It's better than Obsolete, except for the fact that Obsolete just has a couple of songs on it that are staple. Yeah, like Edge Crusher and you I mean, know, Edge Crusher is one of the more secure famous songs. Or, but I mean, like, and it, it, Digimortal never did it for me. Like, you know, Invisible Wounds was okay. Like Lynchpin was okay. It was just one of those albums where when I listened to it, I was like. It was just felt like it was missing something. Yeah, it's not a bad album, and and maybe you know what I think the problem with that record is. I agree that it's kind of missing something. I also think I think the production was too watered down. Yeah, like it's yeah. it 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 sounded too polished. Where if you listen to Demanufacture and Obsolete, they sound well done, but they still have this like kind of raw texture to them. Whereas if you listen to to uh, um, 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 I just said it. Digimortal. Digimortal. It it sounds sterile. You know what That's I mean? A like good way to put it. It sounds very sterile. Like can the I, guitars are too crisp. You know. I actually think it's not just the production. I think the record is kind of sterile. Yeah, you know when I first I, I think heard it, it, lacks, it lacks. 
Well, you're not wrong. It's missing something. It lacks um, some sort of life. Yeah, you know, like when I first heard it, I it's had a going through the motions kind of album. Yeah, that's why I said me. like, and I, maybe I, that's not true, but it's what it. How it I sounds. I had that same reaction that I had to other albums where I was like, I want to like this because I like Demanufacture. I like Obsolete. I want to like this, and Dude, and for a long I time I convinced was- myself like. This is an album I like. Like, Lynchpin's a great song. Invisible Wounds, Dark Bodies, a great song. And then now I'm looking back at both those songs and saying, they were serviceable, but they weren't, like, like iconic. They weren't, like, uh, like Replica, or they weren't, like, Edge Crusher or Securitron. They weren't, like, um, um, Self-Biased Resistor. They weren't, like, you know, Hunter Killer, like, Piss Christ. They weren't any of those. You know, and granted, every, you know, every... Not every band is going to release like iconic albums every single time. I get that, but for me, it was just kind of like that's the the album. You know, I, I will say this: Digimortal was when wasn't when I stopped liking Fear Factory because I don't think the album was that bad. I think I, I do enjoy parts of the album. I think that's when I stopped trusting Fear Factory to always release good stuff. <laughs> like it's kind of just when I lost. I just kind of. And, and, dude, and I've said this story before, but the first time I heard Digimortal was on Fear Factory's tour bus Yeah, when Burton played the record for me. It was the first time I played it, you know, or the first time I heard it. I, it wasn't even finished yet. It was in the, like, it was, it was almost done. Like, I think they're like, there's some, there's some final mastering or whatever to do. And I don't think he played the whole album, but he played a bunch of it. And um, I got to sit there and listen to it. And he was, dude, Burton was super excited about it. I like, mean, I can tell you Burton was, like, giddy. You know what I mean? Like, like you could tell. Because you, when you put on it, like, you're excited to show people when you release something new. And he was super excited about it. Well, dude, I mean, like, that, I mean, that's how and you like, are that's about awesome. I, I don't think he would be like, oh, this, this pile of crap that dude, we're about to release. But, I mean. No, but I've talked to a lot of bands in my, in my earlier days. And about new records, and you would be shocked how many of them are like, yeah. Tell me about your record. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, nine times out of ten, that's what happens if you interview a guitar player. But I mean, but the thing is, I, like, all you I know, was like Phil uh, Burton. Burton was Burton was like, he was visibly excited about it. But Burton sounds it's good. It's possible on he was Digimortal. disappointed in the turnout of it. But Burden sounds good on Digimore. Like Burden's performance on that album is Burden's awesome. Tomorrow, I agree with you. I just think like this the, the album's I don't want to say it's boring because that's not the right word. I just want to kind of, like I said, it's sterile. It sounds like it was constructed rather than written. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. But Well, by the way, by the way, what's funny is like, you know, so that album had that album had the classic lineup, right? And then soon after that, Christian leaves and you only have Dino. Right. So like on on um let's see, wait, let me look at the record. I gotta figure out which one it is. On on concrete, right? It came out in twenty two. I, uh, see, I don't and I'll be honest with you, after Digimortal, I checked out of Fear Factory until Mechanize, and I accidentally listened to Mechanize, which is the only reason why I even gave it a chance. Dude, here's what's funny. So in two thousand and two, Concrete comes out, and you still have Burton, you have Dino and you have Raymond, but Christian taps out, right? Their next record comes out two years later. Christian comes back, and Dino leaves. 
Christian does all the guitars and bass and everything, and then, um, and then, uh, then he leaves, and then, um, then Burton comes back. Then you have the next record, which is Transgression, and then you have Burton and Christian, but Christian only plays guitar, and they get Byron Stroud to play bass, who Byron's another one of those guys that you know, was just in a bunch of bands. Um, he probably most known for Strapping Young Lad. Uh, he was in Zimmer's Hole, that sort of thing, right? Um, so that was that record. So, in th so now we're like, okay, now it's Burton, Christian, Raymond, and Byron. Then let's move to the next one. Then we go to Mechanize. Then in Mechanize, you have Burton. Then they get rid of the drummer and get Gene Hoagland. Byron stays, but then Christian leaves and Dino comes back. Let's see. Then you have the Industrialist, which is just Burton and Dino and drum programming. So now Dino's back and Burton's there and everybody else is gone. Then you had, uh, let's see, Genexus. You've got Burton and Dino and they have a drummer now. Then Aggression Continuum. What's up with this one? Uh, then you then it's Burton and Dino again, and then now it's Dino without Burton. I mean, it's just stupid how many. Um, it's not just that the band; it's the fact that they they never kept a consistent member because everyone would just come and go at different times. It's very weird. It's as if like they're the band who they always exist. You just can't get any more than two of them in the same room together at the same time. It's very weird. Um, oh my god! What? 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 Is she naked? No. Oh, that's dude. kind of that's what happens when I see someone like hot and naked. Cannibal oh, Corpse just released a Christmas bundle. Oh. It's Cannibal Christmas Chaos, and it comes with a bloody stocking and a t-shirt. Um, uh, send me a link. I, I'm working on it. I'm trying to. I, their stupid banner skipped past it. I'm trying to find it again. There we go. I got it. Uh, wait, where the heck is it? Did it sell out? If it sold oh, out, I'm already dead. Anyways, um, sorry to sorry to derail your conversation there, bud. Um, I'm I'm trying to find this uh, Christmas bundle from Cannibal Corpse because you know they rule. Um, I should replace my Eaton Back to Life long sleeve. So when our band was playing out, I literally I would only wear an Eaton Back to Life shirt on stage, and it was a long sleeve shirt. Well, I've grown both as a person and physically since then, so it no longer fits me. But I should replace it sometime. Or the vile shirt with stab hack slash kill down the sleeve. That rules as well. Oh, they have a 3X too. Oh, I might have to buy that. And then I can, you know, I have a, I don't know, oh crap, why can't I find this? Anyway, sorry to derail your conversation. I didn't remember what I was talking about, so it doesn't matter. You were talking about Burton and, and, and ah, I don't know. There's a bunch of hogwash. Um, we could really quickly do our picks of the week. Oh yeah, we didn't do those, did we? No, no, we suck. All right, so my pick of the week is actually an album I found out was released. I don't know when it was released. It was released this week or a couple weeks ago. But the death metal band Carnation released Cursed Mortality. And Carnation um, was a band that was recommended to us by a listener. I apologize. I cannot remember which listener. And, uh, you know, you and I both uh, got into them. Um, I have both their albums on vinyl. I'm, you know, their, their first two albums on vinyl. This album came out. And if it wasn't $40, I would be owning this album on vinyl. But 
Um, I just have a problem with spending $40 on a record. Um, the record better, you know, you know the quote I'm thinking of, Duff, but the record better do certain things to me if I'm spending $40 on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is, which I, is, by the way, if you've never seen the movie Exit Wounds, <laughs> you can tell me all day that it's terrible. Where's my grill? That movie is awesome. Where's my grill? It's awesome. But you've got Tom Arnold and Anthony Anderson. They're hilarious together. Is that a name? I think I think, think that's his name. Where's my they're, grill? They're, they're they're so funny. It's such a funny movie. It's such a funny movie. Um, it really is. It's a Steven Seagal movie, and it's one of the only Steven Seagal movies not named Under Siege or Under Siege Two that I will voluntarily watch. But it is serious awesome. Anyway, so yeah, Cardation. But yeah, Carnation. This album was really cool. Um, you know, again, it's it's the same thing I always say. It's it's one of those albums where if you like Carnation, you like that style of death metal. It's somewhere in between old school and, and modern death metal. Now, like, it's not like a blast beat kind of death metal. Um, it's probably closer to what you and I call meat and potatoes death metal. But at the same time, it's you know, it's a little bit more. Ex- I don't want to say extreme because I feel like that term's overused. But it's a little bit more on the modern side of things. So um, give it a shot. Carnation. The album is called Cursed Mortality. Cursed or Cursed, whichever way you pronounce it. Mortality. Um, I listened to it this week. I, I, you know, it was one of those albums, like a lot of albums have been slipping through the cracks for me lately. And I really got to try and be a little bit more diligent on that, especially with our, you know, we're only about less than a month away, probably from our our best of 2023 lists. Um and I got to be a little probably bit more diligent. That, probably more like two or three weeks, but well, that's what I said. Less than a month, so you know, less than a month away from our, our best of twenty twenty three list. So I got to be a little bit more diligent. Um, I have I, I took Duff's recommendation for the first time ever and dropped everything into a playlist so I can kind of like review stuff more cleanly because it's always happens to me. Like, look, I I hate doing top ten lists. I more do my top ten lists. As a favorite Duff, because well, I actually hate doing top ten lists too. I but do you've it been doing it for year. years. No, 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 no. Let me clarify. I don't like doing top ten lists. I've been doing the top ten list of every album that, uh, every year since at least 2010, probably closer to like 2008. But the reason I do them, I do it as an exercise. Like it was my way of. It was like my little project every year to keep up with new albums that were coming out and make me really listen to them and really think about them. And so, really, it's not about the list itself. It's it's the process. It's you know, it's the journey, not the not the destination. Um, for me, it was more the process of making it, trying to figure it out, trying to pick which ones to go on it, more so than. Whether or not I had a list. Ah, crap. I, mean, I was making them before anybody was reading them, you know. Cannibal Corpse on Black Friday has 25. So it looks like the Christmas bundle sold out because I can't find it anywhere on their site except for in the top banner. And the top banner just takes you to, like, whatever. Um, I'm disappointed, at to say the least. Um, I would have totally bought that had I known about it. But on the other hand, with 25% off, I might have to replace my Vile shirt. Um, anyways, going back to what I was saying... Um, anyways, um, yeah, anyways, I, you know, the, 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 
I what I was saying was top ten lists. I I don't like making them because I hate ranking music. Um, you know, like part of, that's why it's, you know when people submit tough choices questions and it's rank these. I hate ranking them. Not only that, but you know, I'm and I always say this. I'm a fan of heavy metal. I love the music. I'm not somebody that sits there and analyzes it. So for me, it's like when I make my top 10 list, I'm like, here's the stuff I like. I dump it all in there and I start just basically sliding things up and down. My biggest problem is my top 10 on the day that I give it is going to be vastly different than the next day. So if you ask me, make a top 10 on Monday, it's going to be different than what it's going to be on Tuesday. So and I and I'm constantly indecisive. Like if you ask me, what's my favorite Slayer album? One day I'm going to tell you it's Seasons in the Abyss. One day I'm going to tell you it's Hell Awaits. One day I'm going to tell you it's Haunting the Chapel. It just depends on my mood. Um, and that's why I, I hate the what's your favorite, what's the definitive, what's the best, what's – I hate those, and I hate ranking stuff. So um, I always have trouble with top ten lists. I mean, I, I – and and – because top 10 lists are inherently ordered. If you were to say, what are 10 of your favorite albums from the year? I would have a lot easier time with it. Like I, I would honestly, at that point just say, all right, well, here's the 10 albums I enjoyed the most. But well, when I have wanna, to then, 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 Hey, if you want to go about this year, instead of what are your top 10 and you just want to say, what are your 10 favorite and not, not make it a numbered list. Well, I don't want to change what we've been doing and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bitch. Like I'm not trying yeah. to turn it into a You're bitch not trying fest. To get well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll do it. I'm just saying for me, it would be plus, plus. easier if I did it the other way. Like, here's my 10 favorite albums of the year and in no particular order. But the problem is I don't want to do that because I think when people listen to top 10 lists, they assume that they're going to be in the top 10. You know what I mean? Like, Though everyone always gets mad at it. We always get someone every year complaining. Like, I, I, I listened to your show for two hours. I just wanted to hear the list. It's like. Well, if you just wanted to hear the list, this would be a 30-second episode. Hi, here's my top 10 later. And at you that know, point, um, we would just make it a post. Mike Rowe, who used to do that show Dirty Jobs, he does that. He does like five-minute podcasts. Like his podcast is a maximum of five minutes long. He said he literally has a microphone in his closet. He goes in and records it and walks away. Um, and I was laughing at that because I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, that's like the opposite of our show where we just well, turn on our microphones, get drunk, and talk for four and a half our hours. Our show, though, our show, though, the entire point of our show is meant to be just, it's just banter. It's supposed to be. It, the, the, it, we always said, though, that, you know, the movie Dazed and Confused doesn't have a plot. It's just a movie. It, you just watch the movie and go, you're just watching guys hang out. And you're just like, man, I just kind of hang out. I want to hang out with those guys. Like that's what I'm not saying you want to hang out with us, but that's the point of our show. <laughs> our show is the same thing, though. I'm not saying you want to hang out with us or anything. But the whole point I'm of not trying to insult you. are just watching people hanging out, and that, that's what, the, the whole point of our show is. It's not. It is never meant to be the answer we come up with. It's never meant to be who are who we think is whatever. It's not that. It's 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 just conversation. And our show was supposed to be the conversation that you would get if you if you had the conversation yourself with someone else. This is this how everybody and we always say this, man. Yeah, we played in a band and yeah, we did radio, but we are those were all, you know, close to twenty years ago. We are just fans. 
and we talk to each other like fans. We sound like fans because that's what we are. And we talk like you would if you were at Duff's in, you know, in Brooklyn or you were wherever. You know, if you're at a, or at a concert, you know, I had said this before. Had had Vakin happened, had I, our show is what I would have done the whole time we were there. Just talking to people like, oh, dude, man, yeah, we're going to see this band. And, and you know, hey, what album? Oh, my God, yeah, I like that record, too. The only difference it's, would be there would be a lot more obscenities. Well, yeah. Well, dude, look, look at what happened before we saw Ghost. We just, some random dude that was next to us in the car was drinking beer, and we were drinking beer, and we just talked about random stuff, random bands. He's like, oh, I'm listening to this band. Like, oh, I really like that drummer. Oh, cool. And he gave me an idea for a band, and we told, you know, like, that's just, it's not, you know, those conversations, you're not supposed to walk away and be like, okay, good. I now know what that man's top five are, and I will now scrutinize them. Not what it was. It was conversation. And I'm sorry, I know that that's not why everybody listens to a podcast. I know that. I know, I know, I know. And I am well aware that there are changes we could make to our podcast, even just in format and style, that would make our podcast more appealing to the mainstream. I understand all of that. But our show is what it is, and that's what it always will be. I mean, yeah, it's it's gone through some evolution over time, and it will. You know, there was a time when it was really dry and there was a time which entirely my fault it was more flim flar and filth than it was anything else but the- and there was a time it nearly got canceled because <laughs> something you did. someone took my picture <laughs> yeah someone on instagram did something to rex and uh, we explained last time we don't need to go over it again <laughs> i'm just saying but it's just not what our show is and and you know what? And maybe our show will never... I don't care. It's just what our show is, and that's the point. So if you're going to go listen to our top 10 list and you just want to hear what our top 10 list is, sorry. We will probably, at the end of the episode, recap it. So maybe just skip to the last 10 minutes and recap it. You can probably find out what it is. The majority of it is going to be us talking. Nine times out of 10, our top 10 lists... Never have more than two, maybe three in common. I can think of three off the top of my head. I can think of two off the top of my head that'll probably be on both of our top tens. I can think of a third that might be on both of ours. Like, I can think of one off the top of my head that I'm willing to guarantee is on both of our top tens. Like, I could probably just say it, but without making my top... Is that cool? Do you care if I say one? No, I don't care. Okay. For example, I do not know my top ten. I have not put any thought or effort into it, and I know you haven't either. But, like, I would be shocked if the new Nervosa is not on both of our lists. Yeah. Where on our list, I don't know. But I would be surprised if that and the new Cannibal Corpse are not on both of our lists. Nervosa, because it's a freaking brilliant album... And Cannibal Corpse, because it's Cannibal Corpse, and we both love new Cannibal Corpse albums. You know, I'm making that up, dude. I don't know. I don't I don't know what my list is going to be. I have no idea. 
But generally speaking, our lists are very different. Very different. I mean, I know there's a handful of I know five of the bands on my list would never be on yours. You know? Like, they just, I know for a fact. I can think of a couple off the top of my head that would not be on your list. Now, are there a couple that I think you and I are both going to consider? Yes. I can think of one off the top of my head right now that you and I will both consider. And I don't know if it will make my list or yours or both. Might not make either one of our lists. Might make both. I don't know. But I can think of one record off the top of my head that you and I are probably both going to put in our consideration pile. Right? Because I don't know about you, but that's how I do it. I look at like, okay, what's every record I really liked this year? Filter out all the ones I know I don't like. And then every record that I know I liked this year, I go back in and start listening to it. And what happens is then there's some that it's like, man, I, I, I kind of thought this would be on my list, but now that I listen to it, it's kind of not good. Or sometimes I stumble upon something and go, oh, dude, I gave this a quick pass and didn't realize how good it is. I mean, I'm going to take out all the ones that I really don't like. You know, there's no reason to... There's no reason to keep those around. You know, there's no reason to be like, well, I'm going to review this one again because I really don't like it. Um, but I mean, we'll like, like, hey, I'll throw this one right out. I'll throw this right out like quickly. I really like the band Crypta. Their new record did nothing for me. Yeah. I've given it a second. It's not going to be on my list. I know it's not. I am not. Crypta is not going to make my consideration list. It's not going to make my list of. These are the 15 to 20 that I really like. Now I got to whittle it down. It's not going to be on there. Guaranteed. You know, but there is a bunch that will be. And there's one or two that I know both of us are going to consider. And they might not make our list. I don't know. But it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a thing. I mean, and, and what, what ends up for me, the thing I really love about these lists is I always end up, every year I do this, man, there are albums that I don't intend or not so much I don't intend. There's always records that I don't think are going to make my top 10, but when I start doing it, I go back and I listen to something. Because sometimes, I, I guess I listen, I listen more critically. And I know you just said that that's not something you like doing, and that's fine. But I just listen to things... Um, I listen to things critically when I do it. It's something I like about doing the list. And every year there's something that's like, oh, man, how is this not on my list? Oh, and it's inevitable that by the end of February, I will find a record that came out this year that I get really mad wasn't on my list. Happens every year. Yeah, you know the one year, the one year that made me the most mad was because um, – I remember Ghostly White by Deceased came out, and it probably would have actually been my number one album of the year. And it came out in like late November or something like that. And for somehow, some way, I missed it. Um, and I, I tried. I found out about it in like February, and I was furious because I was like, how, number one, how did I miss this release? Number two, it would have been on my number one album of the year because the album Ghostly White was awesome. I love that album. I love it. Um, it's one of deceased best albums in years, and I was furious. And it happened. You're right; it happens every year. So that was like the most standout like example to me, though. Um, well, hey, let me. <laughs> we're, we're almost at we're almost at go time. Let me at least do my pick of the week. Um, 
because oh yeah, you hadn't done your shit. I hadn't done mine yet. You know, it's just the way this. It's just the way the world works. Oh, I'm going to make another cocktail. You're going to make a cocktail. Uh, I'm going to finish my beverage. We're probably going to be uh, getting out of here in here in a minute. Because um, I'm finished. Because, uh, you know, we're almost finished. And i got a video game I want to play. What can I say? I, I want to go play a video game. But my pick of the week is inspired from some sad news from last week. I uh, found out sometime in the last week or so that Charlie Dominici who was the original vocalist from Dream Theater, passed away. Um, anyone who knew me in the 90s would know that I was a huge Dream Theater fan in the 90s. The first album by them I heard was Awake. Awake came out in 94. And when Awake came out, they were the band that I kept hearing talked about about their drummer. Like, drummers would talk about this band. And I would see pictures of Mike Portnoy. And I knew someone who owned a wake. And they played it for me. And if you've ever heard the album Awake, you would know that the opening of the album, is called Six O'Clock. It's this really cool drum groove that opens the record. I went... Wow, that's really cool. A Change of Seasons came out in 95. That's what hooked me. Heard it. Loved it. Not too long after, I got Images and Words. And when Images and Words, when I got my hands on Images and Words, I know Images and Words came out before them. But Images and Words was in 92. So I heard A Change of Seasons, loved it. And then I got my hands on Images and Words and just... I Images and Words is one of those life-changing albums for me. You know, you talked about this before about like Jeff Hanneman, how you said maybe Jeff Hanneman didn't exactly directly influence the way you play guitar, but he definitely influenced you as a guitar player. Those are two different things, right? I mean, one influences the way you play, you know, like you picked up a technique from someone or you do something like someone, but Jeff didn't really change. It didn't really impact how you play, but he influenced you as a player. Mike Portnoy, I didn't play like Mike Portnoy. Come on, dude! I'm a I was a meat and potatoes Tommy Aldridge kind of drummer. But Mike Portnoy influenced me a lot as a drummer. I learned a lot by watching him. I learned a lot of how to do things. I I I I learned a lot about approach to playing. It was never so much what he played. Playing like Dream Theater would make no sense for the kind of music I am. And quite frankly, I'm not a theory guy. I'm not a schooled musician. I actually will go on record and say that as a drummer, I don't count. I would count the number of times I play something. Like, like if, if our band was playing, I would count the number of bars that we would have or like the number of I'd be like okay we play this 5 times or we play this 8 times and then we go to the bridge or I'd count between something but like I'm not a 1 2 3 4 2 2 3 4 4 I don't do that I am never conscious of what time signature I'm playing in until like after the fact For example like I probably I probably could now, but I would it would it would take me a while to it would take me practicing to get my chops back. 
But I could play Tom Sawyer, for example. I know I can play Tom Sawyer. I've played it all the way through. I've listened to it and played along with it. I know I can do it. Again, now would be a, it would take some time. But a guaranteed, I, I, I would, it wouldn't take me all that long to be able to play it again. I couldn't have told you that it was in seven. I had no idea. Never thought about it. I learned the song. I didn't know what time signature was in. So something like Dream Theater, and even like like I used to practice to a lot of parts of Metropolis Part 1, and that song has like crazy, wacky, ridiculous time signatures. There's like 1916 time and stuff. It's wacky. Dude, I don't know. I just I, I know what the groove is, and I know how to play it. I don't count it. So my point is playing Dream Theater doesn't make a lot of sense, but they were a huge influence on me. Images and words will always be one of my whatever, top whatever, most important records to me. It just is. I did not like Falling Into Infinity when it came out. I think today Falling Into Infinity is that record that a lot of people are saying it's kind of like the underappreciated, possibly misunderstood record in the 90s. And maybe that's the case, and maybe I owe it another listen because I haven't listened to it in a long time. Um, I really liked Metropolis Part 2 scenes from a memory, but in fairness, that was kind of a continuation of something from earlier than that. But honestly, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence came out, O2. I lost. I just lost it. I, I've not really been a Dream Theater fan since. They just, and I've talked about this before, they just went off in a direction that just not for me. What can I say? I liked him with Kevin Moore. In the, it, I liked him when Kevin Moore was in the band. That's the easiest way to say it. But backtrack. When Day and Dream Unite came out in 1988, it's the first Dream Theater album, albeit when people think of the first Dream Theater album, they think of Images and Words because Images and Words was their first like major record label album. Um, I don't know. I didn't know about when Day and Dream Unite came out until later. Um, you know, it was the 90s. I mean, it was... I was I was a big Dream Theater fan at that time. That's what's like. Oh wow, they had a record before Images and Words. Well, I should get it. Um, the first track's called "A Fortune in Lies." It's incredible. Charles Dominici, the guy who recently passed away, was the vocalist that was in the band on "When Day and Dream Unite." He's an incredible singer. They let him go, and I remember Mike Portnoy saying something like. Charlie was one of the best singers he had ever heard, but he wasn't right for Dream Theater. He was like, it would have been like hiring Billy Joel. Like I love, He's like, I love Billy Joel, but I don't want him in Dream Theater. Charlie had an amazing voice. Um, if you listen to the record and be like, I don't like the vocals on the record because I don't think they fit, I could see where you're going with that, and I wouldn't disagree, but I would certainly not say it was anything less than amazing. The reason I bought this record, though, when it when I bought it, was because there's a track on it called Yitze Jam, which is an instrumental. It's Dream Theater's version of YYZ by Rush. Um, you know, on Moving Pictures, the the famous instrumental. Good job for doing the Z. What's that? Good job for doing the Z. Well, they're they called it YYZ. They well, named they're Canadian, the song. that's why. Well, no, I know. But my point is, I'm aware that I can read it as YYZ, but 
their song that they named is called YYZ. That's what I'm aware it's because that's how they pronounce it, but that's what they call the song. So let's be fair. The song is called YYZ. That's just the name of it. You know, sorry, that's just what it's called. But that that is that is a very famous song. Yitse Jam is their version of it. I still to this day have it, but on VHS I had the Images and Words live in Tokyo concert. And um by the way, on that record or on that video, they play the opening to um By Demons Be Driven. <laughs> Um, they do just that, but they do it on there. It's super cool because it because images and words live in Tokyo was like '92, so uh, Vulgar Display of Power had just come out, and um, and they 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 play part of it on stage. It's very cool. But on that video, they do the song Yitse Jam, and live man, it's just killer. That is the song that in those days, if you didn't know that um, John Mee Young was a bass player who was out of a, on another planet. You watch you'd say jam, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's good. Um, when Day and Dreamy Night has a song you'd say jam in it. And I gotta tell you, admittedly, if I got that album in the late night, let's say ninety-eight, let's just make that up. Let's say ninety-eight I got when Day and Dream Unite. It was at least a decade later until I found out what what Yitzay Jam even meant. Like, I'm such a moron. The whole thing was, do you know how to pronounce it? Yeah, it's Yitzay. It's Yitzay Jam. Like, I thought it was so cool because I knew it was pronounced Yitzay Jam. And I had no idea why it was. Do you know why it's called that? Uh, no. The band's name used to be Majesty, and all it is is Yitzay Jam backwards. It's just it, Majesty and Yitzay Jam. They're just backwards. Uh... The band's name was Majesty, and when they got signed, they had to change their name. It was probably copyrighted or something. And um, was it mystery with the kiss s in the middle of it? I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Um, but yeah, Yitse Jam is just literally mystery backwards. And I was like, oh my god, I'm so dumb. <laughs> Things you don't realize, right? Um, but dude, if you've never listened to When Day and Dream Unite, here I will say, like I don't know, Rex. Like there's parts of this record you would like. Reason I say it. This was 1988, and Dream Theater used to say that the band who really gave them the idea of what to do was Fate's Warning. They used to say that, yes, they were into loads of other bands. They were into lots of prog stuff, but when they saw Fate's Warning, that was the band who kind of put it all together for them. They're like, oh, oh, Fate's Warning was doing what Rush did, but they were doing it metal. You know, like Queensryche kind of was, Crimson Glory kind of was, but Fate's Warning was doing it the most. So the thing about When Day and Dream Unite is, yes, it's dream theater. Like, if you know a lot about the nuances of how they play, it's dream theater, yes. But that first record is very, you could tell they were really into Fate's Warning on this record. The vocals aren't. I mean, John Arch's vocals were just weird, let's be fair. Um, love them, but they're weird. Not just his voice, but the his cadence is weird. And the, John Arch's vocals are, are just odd. 
Uh, love everything John Arch ever did, but they're odd. The vocals in this are definitely way more normal. But again, I, to me, when Day and Dream Unite sounds like guys who really like Fate's Warning putting out a record. In, four years later, when Images and Words came out, it was a completely different thing. No, I don't know if it's a completely different thing. It was a... No. When, when Images and Words came out, Dream Theater proved they were a completely different thing. That was when they... You know, again, you have that record where you're trying to figure yourself, figure yourself out. When Day and Dream Unite was a, a bunch of guys who were young and could clearly really play their instruments, and they were all really good, and it sounded really good, and you could tell they really liked Fate's Warning. Images and Words came out, and they're like, nope, nope. No one is like this band. Images and Words was a completely unique thing. Um, and, and proven by that, I mean, Dream Theater is still doing what they did on Images and Words. I might not like it. Is my, I, don't, I might not like their newer stuff, but let's be fair. What they started on Images and Words, they just kept running with it forever. They, they've always done it. And they were arguably way more popular now than they ever were then. They won a Grammy last year, I think. Not that that means anything, but... Um, well, no, it does. It means a lot for them because I remember I saw a video of John Petrucci getting up there and he's like, for everyone for the last 30 years who told us to stop writing songs that were that long and stop writing songs in an odd time signature, I just thought I'd point out we just won a Grammy for a song that was 14 minutes long and it was in, you know, 11, 8 times or whatever. You know, it's like he's like the whole song is in some wacky time signature. He's like, so thank you to everybody who told us not to do that because it worked out. But um, anyway, anyway, what I'm getting at is when Day and Dream and I is a cool record, it's not Dream Theater's best. I would be lying to you if I said it was. But if it came out in, in 88, if you were a guy who was into Queensryche, you were into Crimson Glory, you were into Fate's Warning, you were into that sort of thing, and you got your hands on this record, I have a big feeling you would have been like, this is pretty damn cool. This is pretty cool. Again, <laughs> images and words <laughs> blew it away. Nothing. I don't even know. What Whenever you say, hey, this is pretty cool, I just start laughing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, I'm putting it this way. Like, you want to tug on this record. You just want to tug on it. <laughs> give it two tugs and you say, hey, give, this is pretty like, cool. Give this two tugs. Hey, man, this is awesome. Give it two tugs. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> that should be your new rating system. This album is one, two, three, four, five tugs. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not talking about the tugs as in tug joints. Completely different Duff story. <laughs> yeah, not one that anyone's going to hear. A, a better Duff story, and you're not going to hear it. No, it's a much better story, and you're really not going to hear it. But anyway, so the the long and <laughs> the long and the short of it cool. is the long and the short of it is when Day of Dreamy Night's a cool record. Uh, Charles Dominici's vocals are great. I I, I I recommend everybody to give it a listen. It, it, it look images and words. You're going to love it, or you're not going to love it. Because it is a, whoa, this is a different thing. When Dame Dreamy Night, though, it's a cool record. Again, I don't, I would be shocked if anybody says, look, if, if when Dame Dreamy Night is your favorite Dream Theater record, it's because it's the only one you really like. And what I mean by that is it's because this is totally, because if Dream Theater is your thing, you're going to not go into this record and be excited about it. You're going to be like, oh, okay, that's cool. I can see where they were starting out. But it's also very possible you you go, no, I like that. This is more of like a metal album that's got some hard to stop, play stuff on it. Yeah, this is this is a metal album with good musicians. This isn't 
wacky like images and words started. Um, but again, Charles, uh, I'm sad to see uh, hear that he passed away. Uh, awesome vocalist, uh, maintained his voice for for years and years and years and years. I saw he do reunions with Dream Theater, like go up on stage and sing. It's like, wow, dude, you're awesome. I think he's singing at Mike Portnoy's wedding. For some reason, I think I swear I read that. Like Mike was like, he might not have been in the band anymore, but I still loved his voice. Um, so anyway, that's all I have to say. And I actually think that brings us into time that it's about. Um, it's about time that we uh, hit that old dusty trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we uh, we make like a tree and get out of here. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. But I do. I I got leftovers to eat. I'm oh, dude. I'm totally dude. I'm gonna go totally trashy in the morning. I'm gonna make like I don't even know. Hold on. Let me let me show you a. I'm gonna see if I'm gonna show you a picture, and I know our listeners can't hear this, but. Um, there are some pictures you can hear. But let me see if I can show you an example. Um, hold on. Hold on. I am going to make... Let me show you a picture before I go on and describe it. Uh, it's now, just so you're aware, it's now 2 a.m. I will yeah. be on the ice actively playing hockey at 9 a.m. As you should, and I, I have, I'm, I'm now on my like third or fourth cocktail here. So, and if you know how I mix them, and Duff can tell you, oh, yeah. that's no small feat. Oh yeah, I'm not okay. Forget about a picture. I am totally gonna wake up in the morning and make like a straight up ghetto gas station breakfast pizza. Have you ever had like a gas station breakfast pizza? No. Where it's like, it's like a. Uh, Whatever gas station you go to, like a Stewart's or like if you're out in the Midwest, like Kate, like anybody, I don't know if anybody who listens to the show lives in the Midwest. If anybody who lives in the Midwest listens to the show, they know what Casey's is. Casey's is like a 7-Eleven that's out there and um, they have pizzas and things like that. And uh, um, I am totally going to get up and make a um, totally trashy and it's going to be awesome and I can't wait. Breakfast pizza in the morning. I I'm I know it sounds like it's the dumbest thing in the entire world to mention, but I uh, I was out. You know, it's Black Friday. I went out today, and the number one reason that I because again, there's almost no reason to go shopping anymore on Black Friday, since you can um, just buy it all online. The deals are the same online. You don't have to leave your house or put pants on. Not that I care about wearing pants. Um, I mean, I basically live in boxers and a. Uh, sorry, I almost called it something else. Um, tank top undershirt. <laughs> I almost called it what it's supposed to be called. Oh, I um, think we all know what you mean. You all know what I mean. Yeah. I'm going to go upstairs and see how clean you are. Clean you are. Clean you are. Um, but I'm totally going to get up and make a trashy. Like, I live right down the street from a Stewart's and they sell them. And I was like, this morning I was like, oh, God, I got to go get a breakfast pizza. And I was just too damn lazy. I didn't want to get up. So I'm going to totally make one of those in the morning. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to drink a little bit. I'm going to pass out. And in the morning, I'm going to have a breakfast pizza. And I'm so ridiculously excited about it. It's not even funny because I am sad and pathetic. And that's just the way the world works. But anyway, Rex is going to pass out. And he's going to skate in the morning. And I'm going to go up and make a pizza and uh, play a video game all day. And I'm still, I might have to buy, uh, buy some Cannibal Corpse merch too. 
Yeah, well, like tomorrow I am going to I'm going to wake up and eat. I'm going to have leftovers. Thanksgiving leftovers. By the way, I got to throw this out. I like Thanksgiving. It's cool, but my Thanksgiving leftover meal is the best. What I do is I get a piece of like sourdough or Italian bread or something and I butter it on one side, you know, grill it, you know, like you would a grilled cheese. Like put it in a pan, cook it. And I flip it over so that the you want the bottom side to be you want the one side to still be soft. We want the the crispy side up. Then on top of that, you then put cranberry sauce. And then on top of the cranberry sauce, you put stuffing. Then you put turkey on top of that and you cover it with gravy. And so you have this open faced turkey sandwich with stuffing, turkey, gravy, and cranberry sauce, and it's just amazing. And I'm gonna have another one of those tomorrow and I can't flip and wait. So anyway. Uh, that's what it's like to be fat. If you ever wondered, if you're sitting around like, I'm not fat, what's it like? <laughs> what's it like? Dude, by <laughs> the way, so again, I talk about Hell's Headbangers a lot, and I still say you need to own one of their shirts. And that is, I've forgotten more about metal than you know. It's probably true. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, like, we always talk about it on this show, and it's a joke, but you and I always talk about on this show how you're like more of the encyclopedia I'm more of like the I don't know what I am. I'm like the fan, I guess, or whatever. The so it's I mean, not that you're not a fan, and not that I don't know what I'm talking about, but you're more of the guy who's going to sit there and say, "Oh, that album was released in 1984," and yeah, I'm going to say, "Yeah, fairness, but this track was raw." You know, in no. fairness, though, you can do that with comics. Well, comics and yeah, I mean, but but I'm saying like you know, and either way, it's 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 funny because like that's such an appropriate you shirt. I've forgotten more about metal than you know. Uh, I, 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 I would just feel I just wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to wear it only because I I would just come off like a douche. Well, that's but but you are but <laughs> well I am. yeah but I'm a, I'm like a bowls. I don't know I'm a douche in a different way. See, I, I, I actually am sitting here tucks. considering buying the shirt. Real men listen to Cannibal Corpse. No, that's an awesome shirt. But the only problem is in 2023, wearing a shirt that says real men on it will get you strung up by the neck. Dude, can I tell you, though, you know what would be awesome? What? If I could get a shirt that said something like, real men listen to Dawkin. Like, (laughs) I would wear that. By the way, can I throw this out? I got to say this, too. I was trying to explain to a friend of mine the other day how Sonia Anubis is, like, my ultimate woman. Other than the fact that she's clearly 15 years younger than me. 16. 16, whatever. Yeah, yeah. She just had a birthday, so she's only 16 years younger. She's like 16 years younger than me. That would just be weird. And clearly, I'm not even talking about her. I'm more talking about the way she dresses and what her interests are. Clearly, she's lacking something that I would gladly support a GoFundMe (laughs) for, by the way. Dude, I told you this, and I I literally sent this message to Duff. I said, so first of all, let's, let's preface this. By saying, Sonia Nubis is always post. So she's super into like glam, like eighties rock. So she's post totally always posting about. This is awesome because it's sleazy. I like this because it's sleazy. You know, I wore this today because it's sleazy. So I, what I told Duff today was, dude, what you should do is you should send her a message and say, there is nothing more sleazy than dating a guy sixteen years older than you. <laughs> And then you can buy her what she needs if you know. Yeah, what yeah, I mean. like, like, and I, I will, I will make sure you get, I will make sure you get the two things you really need. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, so I say this entire, but and I mean, I say it in jest because I don't want to sound. I know we're, we're both kidding around. We're well, look, look, because actually, I totally respect her as a guitar look, player. But let me throw this out. But, but let me just say this yeah, though, because Duff is sleazy and disgusting, but he does still have his limits. <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> dude, she posted a picture on Instagram like yesterday, or whatever. She's wearing a rat shirt. She's got in her hand some booklet from the Invasion of Your Privacy Tour. And behind her on her DVD shelf is Wayne's World. I'm like, the so, hell? Needless to say, the only song, the only, the only sound going on in Duff's house is schwing. Shwing. So on that note, um, you know it's yeah, depressing. You well, and I always say we were born ten years too early or ten years too late, and this still holds true. <laughs> yeah, because six years six years older than you is not creepy. That's like normal, right? I mean, like that that could, that's reasonable, right? But you know, like if you and I were around in 1985, we would have been you know like thrash metal guy. I mean, you look. The thing is like this, though. If you and I were around, and this would be a fun conversation for another time, if you and I were around in 1985, I totally would have been a Metallica Slayer, like Anthrax guy. You probably would have thought those guys were cool, but you totally would have been on the other side of that and been on the Motley Crue, Dawkins. Oh, you know what, though? No, I probably wouldn't have. And I'll tell you why. They were too mainstream, and I probably wouldn't have been into it. Maybe. I can guarantee you I would have been the Iron Maiden Dio guy. Well, but just similar to the. I mean, I guess you. What, what I mean is, though, you no, because you would have been into, you would have been into, you would have been into all the thrash bands. I would have been into death, like when Scream Bloody Gore yep. came out. Yeah, you would have been into all the all the thrash bands. All the you would have been into Possessed, and I would have been listening to Iron Maiden and Dio and the Rods. I would have been probably way into. I would look. I put it this way, like like late seventies, early eighties. Stuff that I listened to would have all been like new Wobbum, and yours would have all been punk. Like, you would have been into all the late 70s punk bands. True. I would have been into the new Wobbum bands. You would have been way more into the thrash bands. Um, I would have been way more into, like, Dio and Iron Maiden. Um, You know, uh, and then from the 70s, you like I said, you would have been really into, really into, really into punk. We might have both been into new Wobbum stuff. Maiden, maidens, maiden, and Motorhead are usually the two crossover points, right? But I would have also been probably like really still into bands from the seventies. Um, like I probably still would have been listening to like Sticks, you know, and and being like, yeah, because they're prog, man. <laughs> <You know>? um, <laughs> and I would have, have been trying to man. convince you to listen to like the Sex Pistols or Dead Kennedys or. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, which is kind of sad because if we were alive in the '80s, we would listen to the exact same thing that we listened to when we weren't. That's uh, true. <laughs> we like, were alive, dude. Have you heard like, this band Anthrax? Yeah. If we were ten years older, we would have had the exact same musical. Um, also, I, I got to admit this real quick, and I, I know you're yeah, trying no, to wrap things up, no. but I want to I want to say this real quick, and I promise it'll be quick. I'm a nerd, I, and yes, I know I'm a nerd in a lot of ways. I read comic books. I I, I collect vinyl records. Um, I don't have a bug collection, um, but you, you know I'm a nerd. Bottom line, but I have to say this: I'm a nerd in a lot of other ways. So I commented on one of so Scotty and posted a video, and and you know 
Scottian's guitar sound has been like the envy of me for years. Like I've always told you that opening to uh to room for one more that I've told you like that has been what I've been trying to achieve. Not and again, not that exact thing, but that like wall of like punch you in the face sound just by hitting an open E chord. So Scotty posted a video of himself in the studio like playing his tone. So I commented, I'm like and, and I really truthfully mean this. This wasn't me like kissing his ass or anything. I'm like, Scott Ian's guitar tone, he has the best guitar tone in heavy metal. And I challenge you to find somebody else who does it. Because if you truthfully don't think Scott Ian has a good guitar tone, you don't know heavy metal. And I truthfully mean that. Like, you can say James Hetfield's a better rhythm player. You can say Slayer sounds cooler. You can say Megadeth's more talented. But I guarantee you, if all those guys hooked up their rigs and hit an open E, no one's going to sound more like they just kicked you in the balls than Scott Ian. So Scott Ian replied back to that, like, and liked the post and replied back to that. And it's kind of funny how I'm I'm a well-grown adult male. I'm well into my 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 middle age here. I wouldn't say middle age. Like, you know, I guess I'm middle age, whatever. I don't know what can middle age consider anymore. But to me, that was still like, dude, Scott Ian, like, saw my thing. And I'm still, like, geeking out about that. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. You meant post. Well, post. Yeah, I mean, dude, Scott Ian saw my post. Because if Scott Ian saw my thing, I'd probably be getting arrested right now. But um, What'd you do? (laughs) Did you shake it at him? Yeah. (laughs) Helicopter. You know, I I was, I was, I went full helicopter. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, I was like, Scott Ian saw my post. Oh, my God. And he liked it. And he, like, replied back to me. And it's just kind of funny because, like, Sean. once, too. Sean from White Zombie did. Um, uh, Charlie Banani did a couple times actually. Like Charlie's replied back to me a couple times, and it's just kind of funny how I think back to the, like those guys are my heroes. And even though I'm like an adult, it's just funny how I hold those guys in such regard. How like when Scott Ian, all he has to do is reply back to me, and I'm like, dude, Scott saw my post. Dude, Charlie replied back to me. Dude, Sean like liked my post. And I, yes, I, but that, but that just, I don't know. Like, that's part of being a fan, I guess. Like, you know, p- people are probably listening to this right and be like, dude, what a freaking jerk. But look at, look at the way those guys post on each other's Instagrams. Dude. Because they're fans of each other, too. Well, dude, like, when Scott was, like, first starting out in Anthrax, he was like, dude, let me, let me, like, talk to me. Like, dude, let me bought me a drink. Like, and that's how I'd be the dude. If Scott Ian was like, dude, let me get you a beer, I'd be like, Dude, Scott Ian just bought me a beer. Like, that's so cool. You know, and the funny thing is, I guess it's like part of keeping that like childish wonder. And it's interesting because I read an article today about fashion. Like, I, I literally read this article. Like, you could audibly hear my eyes rolling, but I'm like, I want to read this article to hear everything I'm doing wrong. And I meant that in the most facetious way. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, I dress literally the same way I did when I was 16. And I know you do, too. And, and the thing is, like, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't feel, and, and, and this isn't about me talking about fashion or how you dress and what's important or anything like that, but I'm thinking to myself, I still have the same passion for the things that I'm into that, that I did when I was 15, 16, 20 years old. And I don't see anything wrong with that. I still get a new record and get excited to put it on and put it on my turntable. I still listen to the records I listened to 25, 30 years ago, and I'm like, oh, I love listening to this. I still meet people like Scott Ian and fanboy out for a second and be like, dude, this is Scott Ian. Like, he wrote like so much music I love. And I'm thinking to myself, like, 
so many people put so much stress on how you shouldn't act or shouldn't think like this that I think is stupid because you're depriving yourself of something. And that's one thing I think that in the metal community, we've managed to hold on to because we don't say, dude, meeting Scott Ian is stupid. Like, who cares about meeting Scott Ian? We'll be like, dude, I met Scott Ian. Oh, dude, that's awesome. I wish I was there. Like, that's one thing. Like, I think that it's, you know, and, and the other thing I posted about this weekend was somebody was talking about, like, you know, people who collect vinyl records and stuff like that and how they feel like it's going to go, you know, hit a peak. And then eventually when everybody starts dying off, it's going to crash. And I said, you know, I kind of agree with what they're saying. But on the other hand, metalheads like their physical media. Yes, there is a large group of metalheads in the younger community and the younger part of it that skew more towards Spotify and Apple Music, whatever else they do. But there's also a lot of metalheads who still like to buy CDs, who still like to buy vinyl records. Even if it's for no other reason than supporting the bands they love and owning a little piece of that. Like, I look at my record collection and I don't say, oh, yeah, I have a whole wall of vinyl because I'm so cool. I look at this as saying, dude, I own a piece of what I love so much and what I'm so passionate about. Like, and this is, again, is not me like, you know, swinging my, you know, doing a helicopter dick or anything like that. But, dude, like, I own original pressings of a lot of, of a lot of the Slayer records. And I'm not saying that because I'm like, oh, they're so valuable and expensive. I'm saying like, dude, I own original versions of Metallica and Slayer's albums. And this is what somebody put on when they very first heard Rain Rain and Blood. This is what somebody put on when nobody knew what Rain and Blood was. Somebody put this record on a turntable and listened to it. And this is almost like a piece of history. And even if you own a repress... Like even if you own like you own that music, no one can take that away from you. Spotify can't decide, you know what, we don't like Slayer anymore. They're not giving us enough of their chunk of their pie or they're not producing enough, so we're gonna wipe them off our system. You know, nobody can take that, you know, I mean, yes, tragedies aside, like, you know, fires or whatever, but nobody can take that away from you. And I don't know, I find that important. Um and, and I find it something that, you know, metalheads are more passionate about their albums like we don't say hey did you hear that new obituary song that was awesome no we say did you hear that new obituary album we say did you hear that new cannibal corpse album did you hear that new carnation album because we're still concerned with albums we still want a complete piece of artwork we're not picking you know a lot of us at least a lot of us aren't picking and choosing and saying "Ooh, what's on the what's on the number one itunes playlist this week oh it's a song called wet you know Johnson or whatever like that. I want to listen to that and do 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 with Johnson. Dun, 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 with Johnson. No, we're still listening to albums. Yes, there might be a song called Wet Johnson because there's a song called Goat Semen. So I'm sure there's a dude. There's a band name for you, Wet Johnson. Um, I just threw that out there. That's free of charge. Um, anyways, but you know, long story short, like you know, I, I've been rambling on here for a few minutes. I just like I. Uh, I think it's, you know, yes, there's an element of geekiness and nerdiness to it when you're like, oh, my dude, like, oh, Scotty and like replied back to me and stuff. But on the other hand, it's like I look at that and say, at least I've got something where I can say, like, I'm passionate about it. And that means something to me, something that's so important. And I feel like a lot of metalheads are like that. We've got something so important, something that's so like cool and something we love so much that even that stupid little interaction on Instagram and that stupid little interaction on whatever, it means something to us. It's not disposable. And that's what I feel like music has become to a lot of people is disposable. No, I, I, I totally agree. It's, uh, 
it's a it's a different it's the ownership man it's 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 why we always say that metalheads we take an ownership in our in our music we we own <laughs> we own what what metal is i own you i own you and it's not every day that Scotty and Caesar thing. Well, I mean, what can I say? Um, I always think of that Saturday Night Live. If you guys ever saw the the Dick in a Box, I don't care. I'm gonna say it. If you ever saw that skit, they did course. two sequels to it, and one of them had Lady Gaga in it. And there was like a line was like, "If you want to impress a chick, do the helicopter dick, helicopter dick." So good. <laughs> So good. And I'm thinking of myself. Is that, is that like, what you did when Scotty and Saw thing? Did you, did you do the I, Dude, dude if, Scotty, if Scotty and did, I probably would. I mean, Look let's be honest. I mean, let's be honest. I'd be like, dude, dude, Dave Mustaine's your father of your child. So. Dude, it's so hard every time he posts a picture of his kid to not comment, you know, is, did Dave Mustaine ever look at you and say, how's your wife and my kid? <laughs> oh, God. The kid's got red hair and like. Looks the kid's like got, Dave Mustaine. And looks like David, like somebody posted a picture one time of the kid and Dave Mustaine next to one another, and you're just like, like, was there a surrogacy involved? Like, is Scott sterile and he asked Dave to donate or something? Like, I mean, in fairness, it's probably better that someone other than Dave Mustaine raises the kid, but still. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> what do you mean I can't change your diaper? You know, what do you think I'm broke? Huh? 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 Hey dad, can I go to Huh? <laughs> hey dad, can I go to the park? Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> huh? I don't know, man. Anyways. All right. We've officially we have officially moved past our our point of still being anything worth listening oh, to. Oh, I'm going to be so hungover out You the are ice you are going to You you are going to suck on ice. That's all I'm saying. Um, Dude, I'm, I'm going to be like falling on the puck, not stopping it. <laughs> well, you know. Nothing wrong with falling on the pocket it, it works from time to time i'm gonna be like excuse me for a minute Ugh! all right i'm good <laughs> well anyway um you know as usual just a reminder we don't uh, we don't monetize the show we don't make any money in any way <laughs> thank um, god thank god we have no sponsors we don't take um we don't run ads or do anything like that and we don't ask for your sympathy either because if this was it. our sole form of income we'd be broke yeah, we'd be in trouble um We'd be showing our thing to people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I'd be and, out there in Times Square doing the helicopter dick. Hey, for, whatever. For quarters. <laughs> put it away. Put it away. Put it away. I'm not putting uh, it away until I get at least 100 bucks. I need at least a buck. <laughs> God, I'm, all I can think about now is the scene in... Um, <laughs> all I can think about now is the scene, the scene in Boogie Nights when... <laughs> It's like, is an extra five if you want to, you know, whatever. Uh, no, I'm thinking about, we should get Vinny out in Times Square. <laughs> you pay us $3. If you find it, you get five. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like the cup game, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Hide the pecker. Um, Hide the pecker. <laughs> oh, yeah, we always tell people, if you like our show, it's way better at the end. Um <laughs> Hide the pecker. Hide the pecker. The only difference is normally that'd be used as a pickup line for Vinny. It's actually a challenge. He's like, no, 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 it's been hidden for years. I haven't found it yet. <laughs> Please help. Vinny's like, I own it and I haven't even found it yet. <laughs> uh, hey, Vinny, check your sock drawer. Maybe it's there. I don't know. Um. Anyway. 
Uh, if you, for whatever reason, you're warped enough to want to uh, connect with us, uh, Facebook, Instagram, at the Heavy Metal Hangover, get a hold of us, whatever. Um, it's probably not a good thing. It, you, you probably don't want to message us late at night because we might be drunk and it'll probably be bad. Um, otherwise, if you, you know, you got any ideas, you just want to talk to us, go ahead. Facebook, Instagram, the Heavy Metal Hangover. And don't get upset if it takes us a while to reply because neither one of us sit on there very often. Uh, we don't sit on there a lot, but we go on. Um, I'm only telling you that, again, um, we want you to do it because we, we love the interaction. Just neither one of us really have time to do it uh, all the time. So just don't be offended, but we do like reading it. We will get back to you for sure. As long as Facebook or Instagram doesn't eat it like it does. So if you're like, oh, it's been a week, yeah, message us again. It might have just gotten deleted by Facebook. Sometimes Facebook just won't show you the message. It's weird. Um, anyway, so we're going to get out of here. We're going to have some fun, and we will uh, hopefully be, um, be seeing you very soon. Uh, it is officially past Thanksgiving, so it's Christmas season now, and that's just the way it goes. So, we want to thank you very much for listening. My name is Duff. My name is Rex. And we'll see you again next week on another episode of the Heavy Metal Hang. Congratulations for actually making it all the way through this episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover. With your beer-guzzling, head-banging hosts, Rex and Duff. <laughs>